Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. It's always that one time you need a defense attorney and you just don't know who to call, right? Well, I'm telling you, Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, he's the best in the business when it comes to a defense attorney. And he's a former prosecutor, so he knows the other side of the courtroom. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide, has handled litigation in over 19 different states. If you need Manny, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. He stops by the show twice a month. Got any questions? Leave it on our hotline, 404-369-3825, or on our social media off podcastthebs.com. One of the great things personally that I love about Dave Flashner with Stockton Mortgage, and I know a lot of you that have gone to Dave Flashner with Stockton Mortgage, is that when his phone rings, he answers it. That's important. You're making a huge decision, a huge choice when you purchase a property, especially if it's your first property. Your hands are shaking. Dave Flashner is the guy to go to with Stockton Mortgage. Plus, right now, when you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton Mortgage, you'll be automatically entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes. That's one prize winner will be chosen to have Stockton Mortgage cover their monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500. That's $2,500 per month in 2023. That's awesome. How do you get a hold of Dave? 561-951-0984. 561-951-0984. Or you go to Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the Square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc., Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia Stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. There it is, episode 70 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors studio, beautiful Roswell, Georgia, all sponsored by Stockton Mortgage. That'd be one Dave Flashner, 561-951-0984, stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner on your talkie boxes, home loans, refinance, whatever it may be. But when you do close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton Mortgage, I bet you could call Dave, too, and just ask him a question. I know you could. He'd pick up the phone. He'd answer. Smart guy. You'll automatically be entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes. That's one prize winner. will be chosen to have Stockton Mortgage cover their monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500 per month in 2023. So that's all good stuff right there. Nader Vader Tater in Mexico. How are you, buddy? Doing good. How you guys doing? Hola. Buenos dias. Good. 
Hola, buenos dias. Uh, Brandon in the Zelensky Studios there in Noonan, Georgia. Hello. Now, hello. What was that? That was like a redneck Chinese man. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba Lee. <laughs> uh, Jill, our social media correspondent with me here in the Golden Scissor Studio. Hello, Jill. Hey, guys. Uh, big thanks to Mac Development Group as they present... This episode to us, if you're looking to build your dream cabin or mountain home in Western North Carolina, that's where they do it. If so, get a hold of the fine folks at Mac Development Group. That's M-A-C-K Development Group. Let them be your one-stop shop. Currently taking full-time builds, bookings. Uh, Their team handles everything for you from your land acquisition and design to the general contracting and building. One-stop shop. MacDevelopment.com. M-A-C-K Development.com. Calm. This fish tank thing is getting out of control. I got to tell you, it, it's just it, it it's such a it's such a bad idea. Fish are maybe the worst idea. I never I forgot how you know. It's not that I forgot because when I had a fish tank in high school, I had like a fifty gallon tank. I never remember cleaning it. I never remember it being dirty. I don't even remember the fish dying. And if the fish did die, I never remembered getting sad. I've had this new 10-gallon tank here in the studios for maybe three weeks. Already lost four fish and a snail, and (laughs) and I'm sad about it. I don't know what the fucking problem is. I got four fish that swim left and a small sucker fish that I can't find. Uh, (laughs) In a 10-gallon tank. (laughs) And then I got a beta fish in the OG tank that's still swimming sideways. (laughs) Because he's got swim bladder. This is like consuming my life, Nate. This fish tank thing, just don't do it. It's such a bad idea. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, uh, this could have been a Black Cloud episode again. I mean, <laughs> the uh, it's kind of the trend. Don't, don't 100% follow the instructions of somebody that knows what they're talking about. And then shenanigans ensue. I'm, I'm really shocked at this point. <laughs> well, no, I, I followed Six the- weeks, fuck that shit. I'm not doing that. I'm throwing them right in there. <laughs> That's not what, what I What was he talking about? I, I had fish when I was younger. <laughs> God, the fish game has really changed. Let me tell you, those Gen X fishers were a lot fucking tougher than these millennial fishes. <laughs> I did follow the instructions. They said... Oh, so, so you waited six weeks? No, 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 no. Six full weeks? No, 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 no. They said that when my levels are right, I can put the fish in. And so I waited, I think it was a week and a half, and the levels were right. We checked them three days straight. You know, we, we bought the whole kit, the test tubes, and, and we checked everything. We checked the, the pH. We checked the nitrates. We che- I mean, stuff that people don't normally check, we checked. <laughs> all right. And it was all in color code ordinance of the packaging. And so we put the fish in, but I think I think they don't know what they're talking about. They said that these little fluorescent guys, so I named them Inky, Binky, Blinky, and Clyde, the Pac-Man ghosts, because you know, they kind of mm-hmm. look like the Pac-Man ghosts, the colors. The ones that I have left are Pinky and Blinky. Clyde died, oh. and the other one died. Rest in peace. <laughs> and so I was told that I could add more fish to this thing. So we went out and get got a different type of fish. And the lady was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine, but don't get any more than three. That's, that's the maximum capacity for your tank. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We just want some other fish in there. She's like, these are going to be great. 
because those fish swim up here. These sw fish swim down here. And then you got the little sucker fish and he'll be on the bottom. Um, it'll be perfect. These little fluorescent fuckers are mean. I think these are the ones that are killing them. Like it was not even two days and the new guys, uh, uh, one of them died. Like and he's chasing them. You can see them. I don't Damn. think he's, I don't think fish play. <laughs> I think they, th that's how they fuck people up as they chase them. And this pink guy's chasing everybody. He's the problem. I need, to get, I need to get rid of this pink guy. He's the fucking problem. He's on guard in there. I see him. You see, look how aggressive he is. There's no other fish out. You can't see any other fish out except for that guy. Is he pink? He's like, this is my skull. Is he pink or is he orange? No, uh, he's kind of both. Either way, but I like pinky. Parnge, it's on brand. Parnge. So. But look at him. <laughs> Got fish gangs in your tank. <laughs> well, they run in schools, obviously, and they're they're essentially gangs. So we went back when the fish died because most pet stores, like PetSmart or Petco, they have a policy. Uh, PetSmart's policy is if they die within 14 days, you replace them. Uh, Petco's policy is 30 days. So I put the dead fish in a in a in a bag. No, I was gonna. Ask <laughs> and, Took him back, and they were sitting in my car all day because we were running around. And then we fight because we didn't want to get the fish and run around, obviously. So the dead fish, nothing's going to happen. So I had them in a bag and they like turned to mush. It was very disgusting. Ew. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> so I go in there and I said, yeah, my, some of my fish died. She looks up my receipt and I was like, well, do you need to see the fish? She's like, no, I, I believe you. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, cause I've got the fish. And she's like, no, I don't. I, I believe you. I trust you. I was like, that's very nice. I, I like customer service that trusts the, the customer. So I went to go replace the f three fish, and the lady says, no, you now this lady says, I can't even replace them. She's like, I'm, I'm at maximum capacity now with the dead fish. I was like, well, can I? My snail died, Darlene. Uh, snail. Darlene, Darlene, Darlene Snell, spelled like snail. She died. How, how does a snail die? I've never heard of a snail die. I know. Do? And then she says, I don't have, I'm at maximum capacity. I can't even add a snail. So they gave me a <laughs> gift card for $18.74. And I just bought Henry a new collar. I can't buy any more fish. It's the, so then Rach goes to the aisle where there's bigger fish tanks. Now she wants to buy this big 50-gallon tank. She's like, you know where it would be perfect? Right under the TV in the living room. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Aquaman. We've got enough fucking fish tanks in our house. Like, within, within two months, we now have two fish tanks, five dead fish, and, like, six living. And one's halfway done. Stop it. Just stop it. You know, I was like, you're not doing anything. You kill plants and you want to take care of fish. I'm surprised you're able to raise your children without killing them. <laughs> are, are fish supposed to be around that many electronics? I mean, you got a lot of mics and TVs down there. I don't know if they're like getting radiated or something. Yeah, that's why they're fluorescent. <laughs> yeah. they're, glowing. they're like a Simpson fish with three fucking eyes. Well, I, I did learn that, you know, you have to have the tank heated for tropical fish. I uh, did not know that. Makes sense. Believed them, so I bought the heaters. And yeah. then I learned... Freshwater tropical fish. <laughs> yeah, that's what they told me. I, I'm sure it exists. It just seems weird to me. <laughs> and, and then they, they I learned that the uh, the lights, you, you have to have a, a daytime and a nighttime. If you leave the lights on all the time, the algae will grow. Uh, it'll be bad. You get a lot of algae because the lights are always on. And also... Um, the fish will have anxiety because they'll think it's always daytime. Who knew, right? Can you get them like fish oh, Prozac or everyone? something? Like, what do you? Is there like a little additive that you can put in their water to chill them out? No. Xanax, fish Xanax. I don't think you can do that. I, I just you have to turn the lights like you. So 
I'm, I'm going to get, you know, one of the smart plugs and I'm going to set a routine where it just comes on in the morning and then goes off at night. So I don't have to do anything. That's a whole Are lot of leaving? effort for fish. Yeah, Are you leaving the TVs on all night? <sighs> I got to turn. They have off. to watch something, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> the logo for hours, <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs> they're, they're dying on purpose because they're so bored. <laughs> <laughs> my mom sent me a, a it wasn't a t-shirt. It was a, a tank top. And it says, this is my fish tank on the front of it. <laughs> it a tank top. <laughs> so she, the girl at the pet store goes, uh, how do you think they died? I was like, my first thought was to be stupid. I said, I think they drowned. And she didn't find that funny at all. Like, I thought that was hilarious. I was like, it was so quick. Like, I, I was like, before she was even done, I answered the question. I thought it was funny. I laughed at it. And she didn't find it funny. This is, you know, this is like 19-year-old green-haired girl. She didn't find it funny at all. She was just like, not, not good. Yeah, probably, they probably, uh, fish people probably don't have the greatest sense of humor. No. And they probably actually can't. They're taking a literal. Well, yeah, they can drown. They, they get I don't know whatever in their lungs, and they can drown. Probably. You're right, though. They, it's I. I always find it interesting to, like, people in certain communities and the passion that they have for things. Like, I'll never fault anyone for being passionate about something just because I'm not in it or don't understand it or whatever the case may be. But if you don't have people that are passionate about little niche things then those of us like myself cannot learn, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're not actively pursuing stuff on the internet or books or whatever the case may be. So as, as fun as it is to, to goof on them, I love people that are passionate about like the, the things that you would never think that they were passionate about. You know, I take shots of the GameStop employees all the time because they're so nerdy and so passionate, but all, you know, all seriousness, I think it's great that you're passionate about your video games, like have something, I don't know if there's something in life that I'm that passionate about. Like I, I've, I don't, I, I fall, I get bored with things very easily. You know, I see now more than ever people with those niche passions are making a living out of it, especially in the podcast world. You know, it's like you could have a fish podcast and, and, and you'd probably have a successful podcast if done properly because there's enough people out there that want to hear you talk about dumbasses like me leaving the lights on for 24 hours a day. You know, <laughs> I think, I think it's fantastic. Um, so it's just, what are you a, talking about you're, you're so passionate about tennis. You literally invented a thing for tennis. <laughs> you're pretty passionate about it. Yeah. But yeah, okay. But, but when I say passionate, okay. Um, I mean, you know, the history, you know, every number statistic story that there is to know about it. I couldn't do that with tennis. You could probably say the same thing about wrestling. I love wrestling. I go to wrestling events. I've been going to wrestling events when I was a kid. A kid, I could talk about wrestling stuff that I know of, but there are wrestling fans out there that can give you dates, times, event names, cities, states. That's the upper echelon of passion. I'm just a casual passion fan. Like, I got a little passion in this. I got a little passion in that. I got a little passion in this. I got a little passion. That's why I admire your passion for beer. You know, I know I give you a hard time, but that's for entertainment purposes and entertainment purposes only. I love that you're passionate about beer, Nate. I'm envious of how passionate about beer you are. Like at that one time that you stood in line, you drove to Tennessee and stood in line. I think it was like for a Skittles beer or something like that. I was like, that's awesome. That dude is going to get his beer. He knows what he's driving. He's going to do a day trip with his wife and the dogs, and they're going to go get the beer. I love that about you. I think that's great. 
Yeah, I'm just not weird about it. I, I wouldn't get like offended if there was like some beer jug. One. Well, that's not right. It's actually uh, Zaka hops. Uh, you know, I'm not that guy. Uh, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not fish guy passionate, I guess. <laughs> You're not fish guy passionate. Jill, do you have a passion for anything? I was just trying to think about that. I'm pretty, I wouldn't say I'm passionate about beer. I'm a fan, but like Nate is definitely way more passionate about it than I am. I do love plants and I do love animals and music, of course, but I can't tell you, you know, like the date and time of the last time Red Hot Chili Peppers played. Actually, I probably could. I was about to say in Atlanta. But, um, you know, just different, like, stats and stuff like that. But I do know some good details there's, about different bands and There's stuff a like bartender at Pontoon Brewing where Jill works that looks just like Anthony Kiedis from the Red <laughs> Hot Chili just, Peppers. Justin, I'm sure you know him, Nate. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can see that. Dude, he, like, I don't know if he changed his hair since you've seen him or what, but... He has, yeah, it's new. We had a meeting up there uh, the other day, and I said... Dude, has anyone ever told you you look like Anthony? I'm trying not to use bro because I feel like I'm too old now to use bro. But I'm like, uh, once a bro, always a bro. You're good. I, I said, does anyone ever told you Anthony Keys? He's like, no, but I get. What do you say? I, get, I think he said, oh, uh, Ryan Reynolds or something. One of those. I can't think of. I was it. like, the who, guy from the Office. I was like, who told you? Oh, John, Jim, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. I was like, who told you that? <laughs> no, you don't look anything like that guy. When he has brown hair, he looks just like him, but he changes his hair all the time. I uh, this past weekend, I met some really passionate people about Hot Wheels cars. And I didn't get it at first. So a buddy of mine, Vinny, who I knew from Tampa, Vinny Russo, great guy. Um, he reached out to me, and I hadn't heard from him in years. And he used to be in radio. He's a big car guy. Talk about somebody that's passionate about cars. He's always, since I've known him, been passionate about cars. And he works for Hot Wheels, the, the toy, right, the toy cars. I didn't realize how big of a cult following there is for Hot Wheels cars. Like, it's it's on par with Star Wars toys and Transformers or any of the nostalgia toys. They actually might be more passionate because it dates back so far. And there's so many of them. Um, and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So he asked me to be a, a judge for this thing. And I didn't even know what it was about. He just asked me and I was like, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good for, for the show and be good for me to get out. Rachel always pushes me to get out more, you know, cause I'm kind of a homebody, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, sure. We'll do that. So we go to Buford, Georgia to the Walmart parking lot. You know, you've made it when you're, you're in the Walmart parking lot on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> and I get there and the, the setup of this thing, it's so well organized is ridiculous. And they must've had, over 200 custom cars there that are trying to win that day and the winner's car gets turned into a Hot Wheels car. How cool is that, right? And and I kind of kicked myself for not thinking about how this event would go. I was like, I'm going to show up. It's going to be a car show. There's probably going to be a few people there. There's going to be a winner and that's going to be it. Why is this thing four hours long? This is ridiculous, you know? And I get out there, and every car has a story. You know, there's a lot of father-son builds. There's a lot of father-daughter builds. This is a great camaraderie type of thing that people do. Uh, one gentleman in particular, 
who, my opinion, had probably one. Well, he did. He had one of the coolest cars there. Uh, it was called the Pickle Pinto. They all had names for their their vehicles. And I mean, this guy. It was a it was a green Pinto, but it was speckled paint and the engine rebuild. And I don't. I know zero about cars, by the way. I'm not a car guy by no stretch of the imagination. So I'm going. All right, my expertise is going to be. I can think like a kid. And what kind of car out here would I want to play with? That was kind of how I went into it. These other judges are real big car people. And they're going there like, oh, dude, the, you know, I learned so many different words. Like, well, it's got the JDMs, but that's cool. You know, so we're walking around. I'm like, Rach, can you Google what the fuck JDM means? <laughs> Do you guys know what JDM is? No, not at all. Uh, no, I have no idea. Brandon so. should know, right? JDM, is it something with the electrical? Keep going. Is it the ignition system? J J's the J's the important word. J J juxtaposition. No, Japanese. All right. I don't know what the other two words. Like Japanese distribution manufacturer or oh, whatever. Jap Japanese domestic market. Okay, so Japanese domestic market. So, so it's like OEM, but the Japanese. The what what's OEM? Original engine okay. manufacturer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you got me. So this is what I learned. In the car world not just the hot wheels world but in the car world there's two different people in the community because you can't have everybody getting along i mean we wouldn't be human beings if we all were cool with just one thing right so you got to have a split you've got the fast and furious generation that's the jdms right those are the ones that are that are that are tricking out the honda crvs and the mitsubishi eclipses and that's my that's my son's generation then you have the gassers and those are the old school cars. Those are the 57 Chevys. Those are the Skylines. Those are the old Corvettes, the Datsuns, in which I didn't realize how big of a Datsun fan I was until this past Saturday. I've always liked the Datsun 280ZX, right? But I got a history lesson from this dude, Mr. Datsun. He looked like uh, Super Mario's long lost brother. And he was wearing like this whole outfit. And I guess he owns a business in Gwinnett. I forget what it was. It was an auto body size. But he has, like, one of the only cars that exists of its kind. It's a 240 Datsun Bob Sharp Camel something or another. And <laughs> it, it was just really cool. But he's telling me the history. And he's got, like, the original build uh, manual and all this other stuff in him. And so, like, I'm, I'm listening to these stories. And I'm going, this is phenomenal. This is what passion is all about. You know, they, 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 these people own as many Hot Wheels cars as, because there's value in the Hot Wheels cars. Uh, did you guys, did Nate, did you collect Hot Wheels when you were a kid? I played with them. I don't know if I like collected them. I didn't really follow it, but yeah, you know, I would, I'd play with them when I was, a, when I was a child. Brandon, you, you're a Hot Wheels guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yes, yes. And I'll get to that in a second, but uh, Brandon, you're a Hot Wheels guy. Yeah, I don't really like collect them and keep them in the packages. I mean, I got a book bag full of them that I, you know, used to roll around. Mm. And I gave a, and when uh, my friend's house burned down, I gave him a, my favorite car. What, what one was that? Uh, it was a, it was like a Shelby Cobra, I think. Colors. Blue and white. Blue and white. I think I remember white, that or Blue one. with the white stripes. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. That bitch looks good. So it's funny, after doing this event, how much you do remember, how much you retained as far as the Hot Wheels cars. Again, never a big car guy, right? Had friends that were car guys, you know, even as kids. 
and they could name off all the cars. And that's kind of how I learned. But I was never passionate about it. I was like, well, that's a four banger, blah, 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 double shifting, blah, blah. Like I, that, that stuff doesn't interest me, right? So when these guys are talking about, yeah, well, I did the double carb, four shift, five banger, did, 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 got put these guys on and put the, the Yamaha Mama tires. I'm like, I don't fucking care, dude. I just think the cool, the car looks cool. Does it run? Neat. You know, where do you plug your phone in? Um, but do you remember your favorite Hot Wheels car, Nate? I, I'm not a car person whatsoever. So like, I couldn't even tell you the names of them or like even what they looked like. I just, I, you know, I was actually more of a micro machines guy. Remember that commercial? Yeah. And I had this one and it was a little, I think it was a truck or something. And if you had a little window on the top and if you put your eye up to it, it like projected something up on the wall. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Jill, I'm assuming you were not a Hot Wheels guy. Not too much. That was more boy stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was mostly impressed when I do remember them when I was little. I was mostly impressed with all the teeny tiny little details. Like some of them, you know, like the doors would open or like the little steering wheels. Like you could just see like they made them very lifelike. And I always thought they were really cool. I was mostly impressed with that. I'm assuming you would not have any guy friends at a young age unless they had expensive Hot Wheels cars. Like exactly. they only played with Ferraris they had and have the good ones. Lamborghinis. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not. I'm Get not those Pintos out of here. I'm not going to hang out with a boy that plays with Pintos. <laughs> He's going to turn into nobody. So I realized that I had two favorite Hot Wheels cars and it just kind of flashback as I'm walking around they had these people that were collectors that had little red wagons and they had they, they were doing trades where they trade out their cars and they're still in the packaging you know Hot Wheels that community is very much like the Star Wars community you know I always tell you the story about my uh one of my best friends when I was a kid Kurt Brock who's unfortunately no longer with us but his father for every Star Wars toy that he bought Kurt he bought a duplicate and put it in storage because he knew at some point in time it was going to be worth something. The Hot Wheels community does the exact same thing, like the, 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 the collectors. And so I ask these collectors, what is the rarest Hot Wheels car and how much does it go for? Now, I heard numerous stories. It's all the same car or vehicle, but I heard different stories about it. <laughs> it was very interesting. It became a thing throughout the day for me to ask this question because I didn't get the same answer from anyone. Everyone had a different story about the pink surfboard van. That's the most, that's the rarest Hot Wheels car. Allegedly, there's only one in existence. And I got prices that people told me that ranged from $150,000 to $375,000. And the reason why it's rare is because this one in particular, the way the surfboard is on the, the, the van. Uh, and I think it was like, I don't know if it was like a VW van or what, but um, they never manufactured it. They, they made like a handful or they made one to show around to see what people thought of it. And people had a complaint how the surfboard was. I think it was like on the side versus on the top or something like that. I'm looking at it right now. It does look like one of the old VW buses. And yeah. the surfboard is like coming out of the back. 
window. It's really weird. It's not like up on the top like you would normally think that it would be. So that's really cool. That's that's what they changed is they put the surfboard on top then, I'm guessing, instead of it coming out of the back. Yeah, it looks yeah, really it's, weird. It's saying that uh, the issue with it was the surfboard weighed down the back and it wouldn't like sit upright or oh, like yes. you couldn't like play with it or whatever. Correct. So I'm asking, you know, the, the first person that I talked to about this, Tony, and I'll get to him here in a second because he's an old intern of mine and a very, very good guy. And I hadn't seen him in years and his story was amazing as well. He said that uh, people have seen it, but no one knows where it's at. So it doesn't, he's like, it exists, but it's like the unicorn, right? No one, no one, great white buffalo. No one can find it. Then I asked one of these wagon wheeling collector dudes. I said, uh, what's the rarest? He tells me a story. He tells me it's worth $150,000. And I said, isn't it, is it in existence? He said, he, he, he kind of put his chin down, turns to me and like body language pulls me aside from the few people that were standing around his wagon. He goes, yeah, my friend has it. <laughs> He's got a guy. No, no, no. He goes, yeah, my friend has it. <laughs> I was like, really? He goes, yeah, he's, he, he, I've seen it. He, he's the guy. So I don't know if that was true or not, but I just thought it was funny. Everybody's got a story about this fucking pink surfboard Hot Wheels van. <laughs> it's like nobody has the same story. Nobody can even agree on how much it's worth. You know, some people think it's the great, uh, the great white buffaloes. Some some people are saying my friends got it. Uh, I just thought it was fascinating. That like turned into a game throughout the day of just me asking. There was numerous stories that I heard. Like uh, one guy was like, "Yeah, a couple years ago, somebody said they found it in the attic of this guy who used to be the janitor at the Hot Wheels factory back in the." <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> That's funny. I'm reading this article about uh, there's a guy that has it. His name is Bruce Pascal. He has a 7,000-piece Hot Wheel collection. He's, he lives in Maryland, and one of the pieces is the pink rear-loading beach bomb. And he said that there's two in existence uh, that they they know of or whatever. He has one, and he had the other one, but he sold it to a friend. And this guy says it's worth 150 or is worth 150000 in 2016, and now it is worth... Uh, Probably about one hundred seventy-five thousand. Wow! I'd ask Brandon to book this guy, but I'm afraid to do that. So, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Bruce Pascal, and his collection is worth one point two million dollars or one point eight million. That's crazy. Now you wonder with a guy like this, did he know this at a young age? Did his dad kind of say, "Hey, these things are going to wor- be worth money"? Or the older you get, you tr- you play back uh, backtrack, like I've done with some of my Star Wars stuff. Since my mom sold all my Star Wars stuff for like a nickel and a dime at a yard sale when I was in seventh grade, biatch, uh, I'd be a millionaire right now if we would have kept that stuff. So d- d- does it say, like, did the guy start collecting at an older age or did he have this all in packaging? Because it, it depends on the condition, too. Like, if they're in the packaging and the packaging's good, it's mint. Mint's the best, as we all know. Same with baseball cards. Yeah, it doesn't say in this article exactly. He just said it just says he has um, four thousand Hot Wheels toys and another three thousand pieces of Hot Wheel memorabilia. So, so I, I, I learned, probably later in life, I would think. I, I, as I'm talking to these people and they're telling me these stories and stuff, I re, I didn't learn. I remembered. I had a, a deja vu moment. I did have two favorite Hot Wheels cars. And I, rem- I, it came back, it was the weirdest thing. It came back to me so vividly 
the day that I lost one of them, and I know how I lost it, and I can I can see like I, I my body was in that moment when I started to think of it. It was really really weird. So the first one, my favorite was the green two tone Datsun two eighty ZX, and there is only Hot Wheels has only made like a handful of Datsuns, and that one. I think was like in the early 80s, 81, 82. And if you own it, or if you want to buy it at least, I, I looked it up, it goes for $150. It's pretty good ROI. You know, it doesn't take up much space, right, if you have it. And this is out of package, too. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be in the package. No, and I'm willing to spend, a, isn't this crazy? I'm willing to spend $150 on this green Datsun 280ZX just after this Hot Wheels event because... I had this, you know, flashback. Like, this was, you know, just like I got all the original Star Wars figures and whatnot. I was like, I want this Datsun 280ZX. The second one, second Hot Wheels car from my childhood, was the um, Starsky and Hutch car, which was, what, a Monte Carlo, right? They drove a Monte Carlo, I think. And it's the, the red car with the white, you know, big stripe check down the side. But the Starsky and Hutch car had a small... What's that name? It's a Ford Gran Torino. Gran Torino, not a Monte Carlo. Gran Torino. Yes, you're correct. Gran Torino. Thank you. It had a, a, a little red police siren on top. Uh, that's cool. And I remember being over my friend Chris Buckley's house, and we were playing with our Hot Wheels cars outside in the road, and I left my car in the road. And I'll never forget, as we were cleaning up, the front door was open to his house. And I remember looking out the front door, down the small stoop, past the sidewalk, not that far, maybe 30 feet, into the road, and watching a car run over my Starsky and Hutch Matchbox car. I mean, uh, Hot Wheels car. Yeah. And so I run outside, and it's smushed. And I never got another one. And that was it. I just left it there to die. <laughs> that I can get online, I think, for a dollar fifty. I think it's pretty cheap if I want it. It's not. It's That's not surprising because I I don't know if they change. I, I don't know a lot about Hot Wheels, but I remember playing with them at my grandma's, and they were cast iron. They were like metal. So that's surprising. It, it maybe it was did they switch to plastic at one point? Probably. I have no idea. What whatever this was, it was smushed. I I re, <laughs> I, re, I remember like the window was smushed. And like it was like the plastic was shattered, like it like if it were glass. And I'll never forget the siren being smashed, and it just broke my heart. I mean, I'm like seven years old or whatever oh. at the time. You know, or I don't even know if I was that old. And I was like, because hmm, hmm. I just I like just like you know any young boy would rub the boobs on on a on a on a doll, you know, just because you like the feel. I used to like to rub my finger on the siren bump. I just always thought that was neat. Did so, y'all really do that? Maybe. I don't know. Nate, did you do that? Rubbing boobs oh, yeah. on dolls. Okay. Yeah, take the clothes off and everything. Okay. So, yeah, I did it too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then it was weird because Ken always had this like weird skin colored underwear, but the <laughs> the girls didn't have anything. You try, you're trying to tell me, did you play Barbies? Yeah, of course. You're trying to tell me you didn't take Ken's pants off looking for a, you know. No, I you're just mostly liar. cut all their hair off. You're a liar. Every girl, just like I every, wasn't looking for those at that age. Every boy does it. Every girl does it. There's, I'm not buying that. 
You know, you're like, oh, well, my. you heard Nate. There was nothing down there. No, same with Barbie. You heard it here first. <laughs> Spoiler alert in case you want to yeah, look. No Ken penis. <laughs> They're not lifelike at all. They try to make the Barbie family like lifelike, and they try to please everybody. You got Barbie in a wheelchair. You got diversity Barbie. You got all special needs Barbie. You got all kinds of Barbie. But you still haven't put a dick on Ken. <laughs> Well-endowed Ken. <laughs> we'll just call him pronoun Ken. How about that? Because we don't know yeah. what gender he is. Uh, so these, these people were fantastic. They, they really, really were, uh, to my surprise, we had a lot of fans out there, you know, whether they listened just to the podcast and have found us on the podcast or they listened to the radio show before, uh, again, Rach, the smart genius that she is, you know, she's like, let's take a bunch of t-shirts out there and let's take stickers. So she had this, she bought a, a, a bag from our merch store on the on podcastthebs.com that has the logo on the side. It's really cool. And like one of those beach bags. And she just shoved a bunch of BS t-shirts, better than radio t-shirts in there. And we must have given out probably like 50 shirts, you know, just, just for people that were fans of the show that were approaching me because they saw I was going to be there on social media. Um, do you remember Tony Bates, Tony Baloney, the intern, Nate? Yeah, sounds familiar. Skinny, dark-haired guy, wore glasses, uh, went to film school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when he saw that I was going to be out there, he reached out, and he says, hey, I'm driving up from Florida. Uh, I'm really big into this community. You know, love to see you. I was like, of course. You know, so I was like, just here's my number. Just text me when you're there or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And so uh, we meet up, and his story is is really tremendous. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give out too much personal stuff because I, I don't know what he'd want to share, but he had a major, major tragedy in his life. Um, something that would affect anyone greatly. And in order to get rid of the pain, he invited a couple demons over for a while and, and they were there. And at some point in time, he knew he needed some help. So in order to replace one bad addiction, he replaced it with a good addiction. Hot Wheels, you're, gonna, you're hearing this correctly, Hot Wheels saved his life. He replaced the demon addiction with collecting cars and working on his build with his truck. And he put all of his effort into that to get his life back, uh, back together. Isn't that amazing that a Hot Wheels car and that community of Hot Wheels collectors and the passion of building cars and collecting these toys was able to replace an addiction that would eventually killed him, at least put him down a really bad path. That's great. Isn't that a great story? Yeah, I mean, it's good when... I, I think a lot of people that have addictions like that, when they get clean, they need to find some kind of hobby. So that's cool that he found that. Did he, wait, so was he involved in it when he was younger, or he just picked it up? He just, I think he just picked it up. Like, he was oh. going through. He brought another buddy up that's into it as well, and he's got a truck uh, that he's doing all this stuff too, right? And he's walking me through it. And I'm like, Tony, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, but I was like, I'm glad you're happy about it. I'm glad, you know. So he's like, yeah, 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 I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But, you know, I got to get here and got get, 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 get here and you got to get some money to do this. But because he's also, I think, a chef too. And he takes these amazing pictures of food. And mm. and and I was, he's trying to figure out how to um, try to exploit his talents on on the internet. And I was giving him some ideas, you know, and, and he's like, oh, my God, that's a great. I mean, like, 
I, I love to take pictures of food. You know, I'm a food porn kind of guy. I think pictures of food are just neat. I, the internet thinks so too. I don't know what it is. It's just neat. This dude has got albums of amazing photographs of food that he's cooked and they're all original recipes. Like there's something there, bro. I mean, like do something with that. You start a YouTube channel or start something because you can profit off this and then put the recipes, get people to subscribe to your website for 99 cents and they'll get all the recipes, you know, extra thousand, two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month can't hurt. Right. Uh, he's like, oh, man, you're brilliant. I was like, no, I don't think I'm brilliant. It's just common sense. <laughs> it doesn't take much <laughs> to think of that. So uh, all in all, it was good. The winner of the the event was this custom build VW bug. It was a father son team live in Georgia. Uh, really cool car. The paint job was neat. It was like a flat gray, but it, it was, it wasn't, was I shouldn't say flat gray. It was a, it was a, it was a, a gun, a gunmetal gray, but it was shiny. It wasn't flat, but it was a gunmetal gray. And the way that I guess they had the fenders and the, the tires that went out and the engine that came up and all that stuff to the rest of the judges, that was, you know, for these gearheads that was like, Oh, you just, that's, that's amazing. No one ever thought of that. that stuff that I didn't pick up on. So, um, he, he, did, they, did they take the car to the factory or they have someone there like measure it? Cause it's what a 64th and that what hot wheels are of a real car. I have no idea that one of the, one of the guys that's part of the process, young guy, he was one of the judges. So I didn't talk to him much. He wasn't much of a talker. He didn't, he wasn't very approachable. Um, but there are specific things that they were looking for in the toy, you know, in the car to make into the toy. So I don't know. I, they, and what they do is they retire the cars. I don't know if they buy the car from the owner or what, but there were a couple of cars that had won in previous events like this that tour around with this Hot Wheels Legends tour. They go to different cities all over the country, all over the world, I think. And they bring the cars with them. So they had uh, like this Mobile One car. What's one of their big sponsors? That They had uh, this really cool Corvette, this gold sparkly Corvette that was there. And these are all Hot Wheels cars. Oh, they had a, um, God, what was the fucking name of the car? Caleb was a big Hot Wheels guy, and we were texting him videos and pictures. And there was one car that they had out there that was his favorite car when he was a kid. Rachel would know what it is, too. It starts with a D. Um, I don't remember what it was. But it was really neat. It was like kind of a futuristic-looking car somebody built, I guess, at one time. So, cool. Yeah, it was kind of neat. It was cool. And then, of course, I have to open my big mouth and say, you know what would make this event even better? <laughs> what a dick. I was like, yeah, you just feel like you're, I'm just feeling like I'm helping out. I'm like, you know, I probably would have done the ceremony over here, and I would have had a stage here, and I would have had somebody emceeing throughout the day. You know, they had a DJ there, which was cool, and he did a good job, but I was like, probably wouldn't have had the Walmart backdrop with them. I would have had the Hot Wheels backdrop, and these are great ideas, man. Thank you. Probably going, walking away going, can you shut this dude up? What the fuck? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't ask for it. There's a there's a girl that lives local, um, I think closer to Athens, and she's big on uh, social media. She's got a big following, and she was one of the judges. She might come on the show. She's really sweet. Uh, she started out as like a, a car model and a host. Like she'd travel around and 
do these car shows. You know, when you go to a car show, you see the beautiful girls and like, look at the car, look at the car. Um, then, but she's, she knows a lot about cars. Like she does, like she, she builds cars and all that kind of stuff. She's a tomboy, very beautiful girl. Very nice. Her name is bear Dillinger or Dellinger bear Dellinger. And she was there and like, she's a celebrity in this world. Like the car people all know who this girl is like, Oh my God, bear Dellinger's here. And I, I don't, I, I, I was, I did not know of her. And then I met her and introduced myself and we started to talk. She's very, very nice, very knowledgeable, very cool girl, you know? And that's, that's a good gimmick to be not only attractive, but car smart in a male dominated industry, you're going to be successful. You know, you're going to be, you're going to work out. There's a girl that does car stuff uh, on TV that I grew up with in middle school. And I just found out like a couple years ago on social media that she's like this huge deal. She's a big celebrity in the car world. Her name's Courtney Hansen. Like I was there the night she lost her virginity and to my best friend. And I'm like, when did she become a car person? You know, like I didn't see that coming a mile away. Like she lived a very up to life and her parents were always well off. And her sister was uh, really good at tennis at a young age. Beautiful. Both of them. Beautiful. They're both models. And, uh, and I was like, and you're, when did you become a car person? <laughs> like I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, but she's a big deal. Courtney Hansen's her name. Maybe she just this had a thing a for bear, cars. You never know. I, maybe. I don't know. Just do. Yeah. Rachel's the bear like, girl. It, yeah. Is she, is she just Hot Wheels or is she like all cars? No, no, she does not work for Hot Wheels. She's just all cars. She's just a car. She's, uh, okay. she's a gearhead. She's just a, she's just a car person. Uh, okay. I was going to say, it'd be weird to be a, like a car girl for cars you can't fit in or lean, lean against. <laughs> she's this big. <laughs> she, she was like the real life Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. Uh, okay, I see. Like, oh, yeah, they didn't make it. They, they, yes, they did come in mint green. Yes, they did. You know, 1968, yes. But, the, you know, the point spot. She's that. She she can rattle off all that stuff. Uh, very, very cool. So, anyway, thanks for having me out, Hot Wheels. If you need me again, I'd be more than happy to do it. Now I've got the addiction that i got to find my Datsun 280ZX and my Starsky and Hutch car. Can you think of a toy, Nate, when you were growing up, that you love so much that you wish you had now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I used to have the um it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know what it was called. It was like the the kind of car thing that they rode in. And this toy at the top, it had this little kind of cylinder slot, and you had all these little plastic pizzas and they just like lined up there, and then you could you could drive the car around and it would shoot these pizzas out. And you're just, doo, 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 and you're shooting full large pizzas out at everybody. So I probably like that back. That was pretty cool. Okay, so if you found that, let's just say you're walking around Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and there's a thrift shop or something, and you find that in there, and it's five dollars, right? Maybe it's worth a hundred. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's maybe they're selling it for hundred dollars. Whatever the case may be, but you know you'll probably never find it again, and you have the opportunity to buy it. Would you buy it? Yeah, I'd buy it, but maybe not. I probably wouldn't spend more than like 20 bucks on it. Even if it's got value, like, oh, my God, this is worth $100 now. I should own this. Yeah, but if you're buying it for $100, it doesn't have any value. You're paying what it's worth. So unless you're getting a good deal on it, but you don't really know what's going to be worth money in the future. Yeah. Brandon, do you have a toy that you remember that you'd want to have as an adult? It was like like this little uh, RC car thing. It was like a, I don't know what it was, like a, 
something green. I know that. And it would like roll in a ball and you press this button and it would like fold out for like tactical whatever. I don't know, but it was cool. It was like RC car. It was like transformer, but it wasn't a transformer, but it was green. Oh, I know yeah. that. And it had a tail on it. Yeah, this shit was fun. <laughs> shit was fun. But see, now as an adult with a couple dollars in your pocket, you can find these things. And these are kind of cool, you know, just to have as, you know, just put them up on a shelf if you've got the room or something. I mean, I've got all kinds of stuff down here in the Golden Scissors studio. And for Father's Day, Caleb uh, was really, really sweet with his own money. And he shipped it to me uh, on his own dime. He thought of it, everything. He got me some more of those. What are they called? The the pop, the pop, the pop, the pop people, the little pop guys, the little Japanese, the punk pop people. Yeah, the little punkos. Punko, yeah, or I think they're called punkos. What does that say up there? Pop. I thought it was pop punk or something. Yeah, let me get look. Yeah, I've got the rock up there. I think I've got, and I've got Metallica. Yeah, it says pop. What is it? Pop, just pop. Okay. Well, he got me. Hmm. He got me one pop. that's got all all the Pearl Jam guys in it, and then he got one standalone of Brett Michaels. He bought it on his own, and he sent it to me. But I don't have any room down here anymore. So now I got to find. I, I I was thinking I was like oh, I'll just put a shelf behind me right here to the right, but I can't do that because I got the acoustics. So I got to find some. You're running out of wall space stuff. in here. You got all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I I got yeah. I got to find some shelf space. I don't know. If no, you I guess sell it. some of the old stuff. Got to make make new room. Make You're gonna money. be on hoarder soon if you keep adding shit down there. I don't know, Nate. I don't really have anything else. I don't. I don't think I have too much to sell of value. To be honest with you, I mean, a lot of it's like ooh, a Star stuff. Wars connect or collection. I am not selling the Star Wars collection. Make some money. You said you didn't have anything of value, so get rid of it. I don't think they're, they're that valuable. To be honest with you, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you can buy the old figures. For you know, ten bucks a piece or whatever it is, there's not that much value in it. Uh, the uh, the other the other thing I want to mention before um, I give you guys some really exciting news is uh, we were talking about people with passion, and for whatever it is, and they don't care what you think of them, they have a passion for something. And I'll say it again, I admire it, I envy it, I love to watch it, I love to see it, uh, even if I could be a part of it, I, I, I will. So uh, at the Motley Crue Stadium tour the other week, which we missed Joan Jett, saw Half a Poison, always very good. Then Motley Crue came on, which I thought was Def Leppard with Motley Crue closing. And you're going, okay, how are you going to do Motley Crue with Vince Neil? And uh, he did good. You know, somebody told him to pace himself. He sang every word, unlike the last couple tours where he did not. He did not look out of breath. He looked his age. He wasn't running around with a bunch of energy. But for what it was, it was fucking Motley Crue, and I enjoyed it. Miss Def Leppard, we left before that because the rain was coming in. Um, but all in all, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. Tommy Lee came out because Atlanta was the first stop of the stadium tour and told the crowd that just like a week ago, he broke like four ribs. Didn't say how, but he broke four ribs, and he was going to have somebody help him out on the drums. Uh, Frank, uh, what's his name? But I'm going, okay breaking your ribs doing something stupid before a stadium tour whatever it was i mean you want to live in a bubble before this tour you're getting ready to make millions of dollars so how the hell who the hell knows how he broke his ribs when i'm going you do know that the band that's about to follow you has a drummer with no arm and you're telling us you can't drum because you broke four ribs you do realize that this next band the guy's missing a fucking limb and he's still drumming (laughs) and you can't drum without ribs I'm like, you pussy. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, no, Wait, ribs which hurt, one? Though. Who doesn't have an arm? The drummer for Def Leppard. I've never realized that because he's so kick-ass. You've, that's like, I mean, the oldest story in the world. I've never noticed. Yeah, lost it in uh, what, a car accident, right? Damn. Or an accident. Still yeah. Nom. Nom, yeah. <laughs> so we got tickets. Um, originally, a listener offered me to buy his tickets. And so I was going to. And then I waited too long, and he ended up selling them. And, you know, it's all cool. And they, those are really good seats. And you know I'm kind of a concert snob. One of... Yeah. Our listeners and Rachel's clients, uh, she just sold his house. And for my birthday and to be appreciative of all of her hard work, he gave us gift cards to Longhorn Steakhouse and um, his two tickets to the stadium tour. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, they weren't cheap, but I was like, well, they're not on the floor. I was like, like, kind of being that guy. They're great seats. They're the the, the two, God bless you, the 200 level. And we had a, a, uh, an awning over us, which was great because it was hot as balls out there. And I have only been to Truist like one or two other times. I got to tell you, the way that that place is laid out is brilliant because we literally just get right up on the seat and walk 15 feet to that way. And you're in the air conditioning and the inside bathrooms. It was like VIP. It was fantastic. And so, uh, so I was like, this is great. So we had a great time, but um, going back to the passion, I see this woman in the section next to us about five rows up and she's an older woman, you know, probably late sixties, maybe early seventies decked out red, white, and blue tank top shorts. She's got it going on and she is dancing up a storm, not giving a fuck who cares that this is a party and she is partying uh, and I loved watching it. So I filmed her, not to make fun of her, but to, to, to acknowledge that it's good to see the world working for the most part, one people for one cause, rock and roll, and we're having a good time. No judging. This is the shit. That's what I, that, that was the whole point of the, the, the post. And I said that, you know, I said, it's nice to see the world back. You know, it's. Nobody's bitching. I didn't see any fights. I didn't see people arguing. I didn't even see people irritated. And it was hot. Um, and so I posted. And I think I hashtag it, this lady's the tits. Or this is the tits. Or something like that. I have a tendency to say this is the tits when I like things. So I get a message from her. Uh, she she private messages me. <laughs> she goes, so she goes, Uh, I was getting blown up by friends saying that you had posted a video of me from the concert. And I just wanted to say thank you for not making fun of me, which made me almost want to cry. Like, why would I make fun of you, ma'am? I I was like, I admire you. I think that's great. I was like, that sucks if somebody was making fun of you. And she was like so appreciative. And she, she used to listen to the radio show. And, uh, nice. yeah. And I was like, this is so cool. I was like, we need to get you on the podcast. I was like, let's talk about it. But she was having a ball. That's like, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Right. You make a nice post. You, you put somebody over, you acknowledge them, which probably, you know, the, the cat, somebody's going to take a shot. Like, look at the old lady dancing to this old crappy rock. Can't believe dad drugged me to this. I want to post this on Snapchat, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. you post something nice. It gets back to him, and it made this woman's day, if not week, if not month, maybe even year, that I had posted that. That wasn't my intentions. I didn't even know she would know I posted it. But to get the feedback, 
just made my week, made my month, made my year to know that I made that woman that happy. That was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Heartwarming. She's hot too. Her age. Mm. You got to get on the stories. This is, this would have been uh, probably more of a story post. So it disappears in 24 hours. Uh, okay. So, uh, I don't know the difference, Nate. I'm sorry. Like, we can do I, a lesson. I got you. I, w- I'll teach yeah. you the way. So you put it up on the stories and it goes away in 24 hours? Yeah, because th- while it is a good moment, you probably don't need some stranger like rocking out on your face or on your Instagram for the next 10 years. Uh, just something you, you let people know and then it goes and then it dissipates. It goes away. Okay, so you've got the post, the story, and the reel. So why would I not make it a reel? Because uh, it's the same thing. It's going to live there forever. A reel is a post. A reel is a post. A post is, well, a post is not necessarily a reel, but a mm. reel is a post. See, another thing I get confused on is if I tag the Bailey Show podcast on Instagram, it goes into the messages and then I th- I go into the messages because I feel like I have to add it to the story. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, if you want to. Okay. You don't have it's to, going- but you can. It's just another yeah. good way for people to see it. Okay, but even when I tag it, it'll be on our feed. No. no. If you invite the Bailey Show as a collaborator and accept, like I did that to you the other day. So if you accept it, it will show up on both feeds. Oh. But you have to be a collaborator. It's new. Did I accept? No. Oh, I don't know. You're gonna, <laughs> I'll show you how. Yeah, please. You just <laughs> learn so much. It's but so I've been exciting. putting all our posts on the stories just for people to be able to see them more. Oh, okay. Well, people like your posts. Thank you're you. You're doing a good job. They, they like the questions yeah. that you're asking. I like asking. them too. Yeah. Nate will be, Nate, Nate's the, the guru to this. So Nate will be the judge and jury if you're doing a good job or not. She's doing a know. good job? Tell she, me if I suck. You're doing, nope, she's doing great. I love it. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, <laughs> Jill has been a huge factor in our next podcast and pours podcast and pours too. It will be happening. Um, we are set on Saturday, September 3rd. Okay. Which is Labor Day weekend. It's going down. And it's a Saturday this year. We heard you, you know, don't want to deal with traffic. Um, we are teaming up with pontoon brewing once again, not to say that we will be having it at, the Sandy Springs location. More to come on that. Um, this year, we will have numerous musical acts, including, as of right now, a national act that I think everybody will be very excited to see. I know I am. Yeah, I will. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a ticketed event, a inexpensive ticketed event. There will be VIP a VIP option, which is extremely affordable, and you're getting the world. Killer package. Really killer package. And um, there's opportunities for sponsorships, if anybody would like that. As we move forward, you can just reach out to us via podcastthebs.com. Um, a lot of good beer. A lot of good music. Uh, there's going to be a charity tie-in as well. Uh, which is cool. So we're almost to confirmation on everything. So give us a couple more days because we're going to go, uh, we're going to, we're going to go through with the on sale sooner than later. Um, so there's going to be a, pr- a pre-sale 
deal for it for tickets where it'll be cheaper to get them sooner than later, just so kind of we could gauge. But we're we're looking at thousand plus people for this event. It's going to be awesome. And Nate, you know how I get about these events. I get weird. I get anxiety. I'm like, nobody's going to show. Nobody's going to come out. Um, But I I was telling this to uh, Sean and Alex and and Jill with Pontoon. I was like, this is how I get every event. Even if I, even if I know there's going to be a a packed house, like it's guaranteed. I get nervous. I get anxiety. I I get like, it's something bad's going to happen. Everybody's going to blame me. This one I'm really optimistic about for the first time in a very long time. And I think a lot of that is because of the success of the first podcast in Pours. We had zero gimmicks with that. Literally, it was just us at Pontoon in Sandy Springs. And we had a ton of people come out to see us. And they drove from all over different states just to come out and hang out and have beers with us, which is way cool. You know, this is going to be bigger and we're going to be giving you more. A lot more to the point where we, I hope that down the road, this will be one of your best memories as a good time. Cause I think it can be with what we have lined up. This is going to be cool. Very excited. Very excited. Like I'm having people fly in for this event because I'm that excited about it. <laughs> Nate's going to fly in for the event. Yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't, yeah. we can't do it without Nate. Of course not. No. I mean, that's, it's part. I mean, it's Nate. Nobody's going to show if Nate's not there. I'll be there. <laughs> Nate's not. <laughs> uh, so um, there will be updates. You know, if you're not on the newsletter, I highly suggest. I mean, this is an award, not yet, but it's soon to be award-winning newsletter. Uh, you, you guys saw the last one I put out. Phenomenal. I mean, really, really good stuff. Right. It was a good one. Yeah. 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 It was good. Yeah. But Br- Br- like, I like how we get feedback too. Like I see an email, people like respond back. But this is really good. I like this. What do you mean? You see. What are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about on social media? No, no, no. Like on the on the email, Bailey Show podcast email, I'll see people respond to the newsletter. Oh, they'll reply back to it? Yeah. Really? And it comes back to our email? Yeah, at least the two I saw, or there's a couple of them. Back. Well, yeah, it's sent from our email. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know they could respond, though, so that's cool. I didn't either. That's way cool. <laughs> that's neat. Uh, okay, well, I didn't. I, I, I can see all, like, I can see most of the analytics for this, which is kind of cool. Like, I can see who unsubscribed. I can see who opened it up. I can see how many times they opened it up. Uh, I can see link clicks uh, within, you know, and how many. You know, it's, it's kind of neat. It's very addicting. I mean, every day I'm just like, refresh, refresh. And it'll say 72.4% of people opened it up. And I'm like, and it says, you're doing great. Uh, and then it'll tell you, it's like, you can work on this next time. <laughs> it's like, I've got to master the newsletter. I've got to, I'm still trying to figure out how to insert YouTube clips into the newsletter. So Pee Wee was supposed to be working on that for me, but I have not heard back from him. So that's, uh, that's on my agenda for the next couple of days to figure out. You would think it'd be easy. You would just embed it or something, but I can't figure it out. So. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think I've ever gotten an email with a video in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's possible. I think you can maybe do a link to it, but I don't think there's videos in emails. Uh, I think it's too big. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Have you ever gotten an email with a, a video in the email, not attached? I want to say yes. I have. I don't think so. Well, you just asked me. How are you going to tell me no? <laughs> but you, you didn't. You didn't have an answer. No, I, there. You're just I, like, I, said I, I think so, but I, you didn't say I got this email. 
but I, but I think I have gotten an email. Like maybe it's from, you know, it's it's not going to be a big uh, video, but it's like thirty or sixty seconds. It was embedded in the whatever they're sending to me, like a product or something that they're trying to to, to do. Maybe uh, reading it unlike is a website. I would hope so. You can, it says unlike a website. So you, you cannot email, uh, embed a video in, or a stream from YouTube or Vimeo in an email. Wow. Okay. Look at that. that. So you know what, Nate? No, I've never gotten a video in an email. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you did that, you would be able to put like malicious code in it and you'd be getting viruses and stuff. So I don't think they allow it. Well, we would never put malicious code in our emails. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Except for the code that lets us see when you opened it and what time and how many times. But other than that, nothing. There's no malice involved. This is all for science. This is all for research. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited for our guest this week. Um, he does not do many podcasts, if any podcast, but he did me a solid. We go way back. I'm not bragging, just true. Um, they've got a concert in Atlanta at Ameris Bank Amphitheater on Tuesday. Uh, that is one of the best-selling bands of all time. Like it or not, deal with it. The Backstreet Boys, they are. I mean, they've sold over 100 million fucking records. That's crazy. Howie D from the Backstreet Boys is joining us here in a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. If you're on someone else's property for a reason other than business, the owner is only liable if they intentionally hurt you. So if you're over at someone else's house for a party, make sure you don't trip down the stairs. Because even if the owner is found negligent, you still can't recover. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. In the market to build a mountain home or cabin in western North Carolina, Mac Development Group. These are the people that you need to call. These are the people you need to talk to. MacDevelopment.com is the website currently booking for full-time builds, and they're looking for you to get on the schedule today, providing a premium product in the Western Carolina market, and they are the premium builder in the area. Putting everything together in this amazing 3D software, the process is easy, and it's a one-stop shop with Mac Development Group. MacDevelopment.com. I want you to call my wife. But not for those reasons, you weirdo. I want you to call my wife, Rachel Guy, because you want to participate in this crazy market that's happening right now and take advantage of a house. She is the best at doing what she does, and that is a realtor with Keller Williams Atlanta North Office. Anybody that's dealt with my wife, and I know a lot of you two percenters have, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I can tell you firsthand, you know, if you're a first-time home buyer, she's going to walk you through it. If you've done this numerous times before, you might learn something. She's great. So if you're looking to buy or sell, call Rachel Guy because she's your guy. 404-797-4600. That's 404-797-4600. Let's keep it before 9 p.m. All right, some of you call fairly late. It's a little annoying. No offense. Stress-free buying and selling, and like I said, this crazy nutso market. You can also shoot her an email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. <laughs> 
Coming up here on the 28th of June, Ameris Bank Amphitheater, Alpharetta, Georgia. It's like the 50th leg of the DNA World Tour for arguably one of the biggest bands ever. I mean, when you sell over 100 million records, you got some bragging rights. I'm talking about the Backstreet Boys. And my old friend, Howie D, has made time for us which I don't think he does many podcasts. So I'm like honored that you're doing this from what looks like a dressing room while you're on tour. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. It's been great years. We've known each other. And uh, definitely, I guess I, you're absolutely right. I don't do many podcasts. As you can see, my, my setup may not be the normal background screen. You would probably should be seeing for a podcast. (laughs) I mean, here, Uh, but you're right. I'm actually at a dressing room here in, in Dallas, uh, before we go on for our show tonight. So it's not the most glamorous. Oh, it's fine. Uh, it's fine. Hopefully we'll get the job done here. Do you, so, do, you get, do you get nervous? Did you ever get nervous before a show? Oh, I get nervous every time before a show. Um, it's kind of crazy. People ask me if I still get nervous, and I, I'll be honest, I do. But, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of things that, you know, some of the other guys don't get nervous at all. But for me, it's just I've, I've come to realize it's just the way I'm wired. But it's it's what really helps keep me on my toes during the show. You know, I think the times when I get kind of complacent and, uh, you know, just think, Oh, I got this. That's going to be nine times out of 10, the times that I'll mess up or get too caught up into something. So I got to stay on my toes and just that nervous energy kind of keeps me that adrenaline inside going. Yeah. Because you guys are, are such a, 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 your group of guys that, if one guy misses a step, I mean, it's not only the singing aspects of it, and you have five different vocals, you got to make sure you're on point. It's not like a, a band where there's one singer, there's a guitarist, there's a bassist, there's a drummer, maybe a keyboardist. This would be, in my opinion, probably a lot more difficult. If you miss a step, Howie, everybody else is screwed. You're tripping over each other, and the Backstreet Boys are a joke, right? Yes, absolutely. And if we miss, if one of us misses steps, uh, believe me, the other ones will, they don't have a poker face. Yeah. They let the audience know. They'll let each other know there's a little bit. And we lost your audio for a second there. Phone calls coming in. Oh. People don't really got to figure out how to do this. Oh, that's, uh, put that, it on here. that's There fine. we go. Is it, is it, is it, uh, is it somebody from NSYNC saying, dude, can we come out on tour with you? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the call list here lately, but I just touch with Joey and all the guys here and there we see them they've come out to the shows and stuff like that and they're great guys i mean it's we uh one day who knows one day me the backstreet boys and nsync might be doing something together hopefully one day yeah that's you know it's it's funny because when when both of you guys first started and for those that don't know i know i've talked about this a million times but um i was there you know i was at the the station xl 106.7 that launched uh, Backstreet and NSYNC and, and really Britney, I think, too, and a lot of these bands of the generation. Um, and you guys would, you know, do favors for the station as you guys were getting bigger. You do the charity events for us, and and, and it was it, it was great. But there was like this this media divide. It's the two boy bands; they can't like it. But you guys have always been friends with each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I went to college with Christopher Patrick. Um, part of the reason why. Uh, NSYNC was formed because Chris always jokes that I didn't ask him to audition for our group. Uh, like I say, we were in, we were in, uh, community choir together, Vlad's community college. And, um, so I, like I said, I've, I've known him as well as Joey Fatone and all the other guys that, you know, went to, uh, high schools that are, you know, pretty much our arch rivals back in the days, Dr. Phillips high school. I went to Edgewater high school and, right. and um, so, you know, those guys we've known for years 
I think that media, if anything, maybe created us more as, you know, rivals against each other. But it wasn't really that. Like I say, um, you know, we, we all got started out of the same place. At a, and, um, you know, if anything, it was like, it was like, you know, you were like your stepbrothers kind of a thing. Um, you know, parents had one while the others were out of town and, you know, and they had fun with each other kind of a thing. But, you know, we there was there, I always felt like there was plenty of room for all of us. There's still plenty of room for all of us out there. Yeah. And, and your guys longevity is, I mean, really historical. I mean, as big of a band as the Backstreet Boys are and have been to, and I know Kevin left for a minute and there was no ill will, but he's back. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you look at these successful, you know, you equate it to a rock band that just can't stick together after, you know, a freshman and sophomore album. You guys have stuck together and stood the test of time, not only kept your fan base, but attracted a new fan base. This is not heard of in the music business. Yeah, I guess, especially for a boy band, I guess it's not a <laughs> definitely uncharted territory. Yeah, no, we're going on 30 years together and uh, it's kind of crazy looking back how, you know, who would have ever known that we would have, you know, lasted this long, um, you know, but we just, we just kept on trying to ride the wave as long as we could, you know, like just like every artist, there's your ups and downs stuff like that. And, and we kind of easily, you know, stopped after our, you know, after your, you know, what everybody says, you possibly your sophomore slump, which I don't think we truly ever had, mm -mm. um, in the sophomore, you know, maybe it was our our third or fourth record that finally started to uh, not be as popular as the first couple of ones. Uh, but it, we could have easily all thrown in the towel and said, you know, we're done with this. You know, let's just, you know, move on. And, you know, Kevin was the only one that actually, in his heart, didn't feel like he wanted to continue at that moment. He wanted to start a family and work on some other things. But we always kept the doors open to him to, to come back. And in the meantime, the rest of us carried the torch. Um, you know, and it was, it was definitely a lot of times where people didn't even know we were still even together because we weren't just blasted all over the radio station, but we kept on doing what we were doing and we carried the torch. And when Kevin came back, you know, at that time there was a resurgence of the nineties music and, and now like I say, knock on wood, it was, you know, we're, we're really blessed that, you know, we're, I feel like we're back to doing once again, outdoor amphitheaters and arenas and certain places in the world, stadiums again. So it's, it's a, it just goes to show a testament, hopefully of, of the music, you know, test of time and and even more so our fans who have supported us through the thick and thin all these years well i think it's beneficial that your fan base started as females and is continuously females you know it's it's a fact i mean because guys have a tendency especially as you get older you know oh man i'm tired i don't feel like going out there but every woman that comes to your show went to bed at one time in their lives saying i'm gonna marry a backstreet boy right it's now they actually they have no shame in the game they wear these shirts now says i was supposed to marry a backstreet boy and sometimes they'll say which one and stuff like that mm -hmm. and aj i'm like i'm you're you're lucky you didn't um <laughs> you know definitely it, it would have been me maybe it would be, who knows what could have been but but it's, it's it's funny how uh they uh they come all out you know and they're just there they support us you you're absolutely right you know uh, i'd say probably a majority of our fan base especially in their early years was 95% females. Um, but now we're looking at the audience, believe it or not, it's probably like about 85, 15 at least, or 85, 20, or 80, 20. I mean, guys that back in the days that would have been, you know, maybe it wasn't as cool back in the early years to, mm. to mid, you know, like the Backstreet Boys, or, or maybe we helped you get, you know, lucky one night with your girl because of our music or whatever. <laughs> um, but now they're like, they're coming out full strong and saying like, dude, rocking out. And just like, you know, no shame in the game. We're having football players, you know, basketball players, baseball players, everybody coming out and just like 
cheering on, having a good time and just saying, you know, let's relive those memories that we had back in the days. It's funny you brought up the T-shirt that says I was supposed to marry a Backstreet Boy. So um, my wife is, is such a huge fan. She's you're her favorite. And, 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 and I for her birthday, I got her tickets for for the show coming up here on the 28th at Ameris Bank Amphitheater. And I also bought her the shirt. And so, so she's been wearing the, I'm so supposed to wear it, you know, because if you remember when you guys did the song with Florida Georgia line in Vegas, um, and, and I saw you there and I hadn't seen you for years and and I wasn't working, but I was just there in radio row. I had no idea you guys were there and I'm walking down the hall with my wife. I had no idea she was a huge Backstreet Boy fan. So I literally run into Howie and I'm like, hey, dude, what's up, man? Long time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I'll catch you later. You know, they're being ushered around. I've never, I've been with my wife for 10 years, dude. I've never seen her so angry that I didn't introduce her. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. She was furious with me. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> it's not, not your fault. It was my fault. My Totally my fault. Oh, that's too funny. Mm-hmm. I love stories. <laughs> <laughs> you probably get those all the time, right, though? I mean, over the years where... You know, I mean, it, it, you guys are, uh, are, are, uh, I don't know, you sex symbols. I mean, like the, the, the female audience loved you guys. I've seen it with my own two eyes. It was Beatlesque. It still is Beatlesque for you guys. Um, but now they're married to, you know, these men and they're like, oh my God, stop marking out for Howie, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of crazy, honestly. I, I, I don't get it sometimes. I mean, I just look at myself as just a normal person. You know, my wife gets me when I'm back home, I'm taking the kids to school. I'm taking out the trash, um, doing my own laundry here and there and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't really look at myself any different. And, uh, but I guess it's probably why, you know, people can hopefully relate to us. You know, I think that we're just, we're normal guys. We're all blessed with a God given talent. And we just, we all got the lucky lottery ticket, you know, to, to have the break that we had. Um, there's so many other groups that are out there that are just as talented. Some of them may, like I say, more talented than us, but you know, for whatever reasons that how the stars align and how God planned it for us to have success, we're just blessed. And, you know, I'm, I'm counting my lucky stars every day. I go to church on Sunday still as much as I can to thank the man above for this opportunity I've been given and uh, just try to keep on, you know, doing what I'm doing and try to appreciate it. Uh, when I look out in the audience and, you know, I sometimes get in my own head, and, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm such a perfectionist and I want to be doing the best that I can. I get so mad at myself if I, if I miss a step or don't hit exactly the right note. And all I have to do is look out there and look at the audience and, and remind myself how grateful I am that we have so many fans that are coming to see us and selling out still at this, at this point in our career. It's, it, it's truly a blessing. Have, have your children gotten to an age yet to realize, you know, dad's a backstreet boy and oh my god you actually wore those clothes back in the day oh yeah my especially my oldest one i mean nowadays with the internet and them having the tablets they find <laughs> you know anything everything and everything even if i don't want them to find something they'll find it <laughs> uh, if it wasn't you know they don't find it themselves whether it's another friend or a friend's mom that tells their son or whatever and they get to show it to the dad mm-hmm. i mean them um but yeah they've seen me through my thick and thin Crazy hairdos, crazy <laughs> choices. Yeah, they've seen it all. Um, but my, but he loves it. He he's he's a little ham. If anybody of the two of them, I have a twelve, uh, thirteen year old and a nine year old. My twelve year old, he if he really wanted to, I think he could follow in his dad's footsteps. He's 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 contemplating right now whether it's the music thing or being a uh, 
um, what do you call it, like a computer technician uh, kid because he loves gaming and all these kind of coding and stuff like that, which he'll probably make more money doing that than he probably would be following his dad's footsteps. Uh, but uh, like I say, he has the, the, the gene in him for sure. My youngest one could care less what I'm doing. He, my wife brings him out on the shows because uh, they're out here on the road with me. And within like two or three songs, he's like, can we go back to the bus, mom? She's like, stop complaining. Stop giving that look. She's like, do you see anybody else here giving that look right now that you're giving? No. Everybody is so happy to see daddy on stage. And you need me too. <laughs> They're jaded, Howie. They're jaded. Yeah. Well, Brian's son, you know, Brian lives here in Atlanta. And his son yeah. is extremely talented following in his father's footsteps. And I think he's going to have a very successful career in that genre of music. I think it's country. Yes, he's very talented. He's definitely got his father's and, uh, I mean, he's always been a little ham since we've known him as a little kid. Mm. And it makes a lot of sense that he's definitely, uh, you know, doing what he's doing. And he's like his parents are both nurturing him uh, to be the artist that he's growing into. And, and uh, I think, you know, he definitely has a good shot at it for sure. Do you, when you're, you know, doing a, a show like you guys are on the tour now and you're, you're backstage getting ready to go on and whatnot – do you, do you ever, you know, especially when you guys huddle up before you go out or whatever it is that you do, you just sit around and look and you look and you go, how much times have changed in your life, the band's life, in society in general, and just kind of scratch your head and go, you know, ha, ha, you know, it's kind of like uh, that thing you do, the movie with Tom Hanks, where they finally make it to the to the to the talk show, and the guitarist played by uh, I forget the the actor's name is a great actor turns to the drummer and says, "How did we get here, Sketch?" He's like, "I Spartacus brought you here." Do you ever do that? Like, oh, how did we get here all these years? Totally, man. I mean, it's it's uh, I have to kind of pinch myself, and a lot of times. Um, especially when we have friends and family that come out and are able to relive some of the memories. Um, cause it's almost a little bit of sensory overload, I will admit. And, um, you know, the, what were the experiences that we've had over the past almost 30 years? And luckily we've had, like I say, family and friends that have come out with us that have seen it and, and will recall certain things like, you remember this time when this happened? And like, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, thank God you were around. Cause I forgot. <laughs> Now, whether it was a couple of adult beverages that unfortunately didn't help me to remember whatever the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I, when I guess when we finally do decide to take a, a lengthy break or whatever, which I don't foresee happening anytime soon. Um, that's probably when I'll probably sit back and really reflect and, and realize what this journey that I was on and what kind of a roller coaster it was. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a, a crazy ride. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back on it, you know, how many artists have had the chance to do what we've done and, and travel around the world and meet the people we've met and, and formed with other, with other artists that we've admired and brought up, you know, hoping one day just to meet, um, I don't know where I went with that. I don't even, I even know if I answered your question at this yeah, no, point. You, you did, but well, you know, when, when you talk about collaborating with artists, I mean, you guys really haven't done a lot of collaboration over the decades. You know, the Florida Georgia line, it kind of surprised me. I was like, one, it was great. You know, the stuff that you do, you did on tour with new kids, which I'll get to uh, in a little bit, uh, cause I thought that tour was genius. Whoever put that together, but um, there has to have been art. There have to have been artists, uh, especially rappers. I would think, that have wanted to collaborate with you guys. You guys have just never done it. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, Nick uh, recently has been talking about, he's like, we got to get another, we got to get a collaboration. The only, only person that did something with was, believe it or not, was Pitbull on, um, it was one of the records that Kevin wasn't around. And um, it never made it at, on the record. I think it ended up being like a B-side over in Europe or in Japan or something like that. It was just, it was so crazy. I mean, back in the early days, the record label, you know, we had lots of opportunities uh, working with artists. I mean, we did a collaboration with uh, Lionel Richie, mm. uh, which I was such a huge fan of. And fortunately, the record label wouldn't allow us to put it out, um, the collaboration. Um, we also did a, a song with uh, Elton John, mm. uh, El Dorado soundtrack. Um, they at least allow, I can't remember if they allowed us, they at least allowed us to have our voices. I'm not sure if we actually got credited or if we did or not on it, at least we were able to put our voices on it. But back in those days, the record label was just, it was such a business to them that, you know, they didn't want to, unless it was a hundred percent benefiting us, they wouldn't, you know, lend our, our, our talents out to be associated with other people, which we looked at, you know, like, Oh my God, this is, you know, the greatest opportunity in the world for us. We've, you know, admire people even you know boys to men we did a collaboration with and unfortunately never saw the light of day mm. uh, there's just been quite a few artists out there that we've would love to have collaborated with <clears throat> have the audience you know the world hear about it um but it just never came to fruition but we we still you know to this day are you know open-minded trying to think of what's the next step what's the right possibly collaboration you know just what <clears throat> can keep the uh, the spark still going yeah, well, the the Florida Georgia line got you played on country radio, which you know, yeah. I mean, which you know, that brings up a whole nother conversation about radio. I mean, this is a fired radio guy here now, getting into the podcasting world at forty seven, trying to reinvent himself, you know. And if if Backstreet were to come out for the first time right now, with the way that the the business is no more going and buying cds no more jewel cases none of that stuff um do you think you guys would be able to survive in this world if you were a new band yeah it's a totally different scene now for sure um you know it's it's weird how we went through the transition and I remember at first when like American Idol came out and some of these shows where, you know, America was picking the talent. And I remember being a little bit kind of like, well, that's a little weird. You know, it's, it's, you know, for, for an artist to not have to go the normal traditional route of, you know, getting a label to sign them and, and, you know, pay, you know, knocking on the doors and getting out there and, 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 you know, hitting the streets in a van or, you know, Winnebago just trying to get your name out there and, and how, you know, how the internet was coming across and how it was just a click of a button, you can have overnight success. Um, but I had to realize that that's, that's things move that way. You know, just like we started off in the cassette tapes and CDs and now there's none of that out there. Now it's everything, you know, downloaded digital and stuff like that. So you just have to move with time. So we even ourselves had to realize how to keep ourselves out there and relevant. And to be honest, it's, uh, it's definitely, a. uh, a faster, more economical way for sure of getting yourself out there, you know, your, your product, your music, your, your likeness, whatever out there to everybody in a much faster route than the old traditional way of going to country to country to country, promoting something, um, radio stations and TV shows. Uh, so it's definitely a change of time that I think has been beneficial. Um, I think for artists that are new now, you know, you just gotta, I, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of things is, 
if your music doesn't stand the test of time and you don't, you know, raise, you know, keep raising your bar, you know, everybody now there's, that we're, you know, we're feeding so much stuff and so fast, you know, it's, it's like attention spans are shorter. I feel like now, mm. so you got to be like on your game and you got to be willing to keep on servicing your fans a lot more mm. than what you have to. Well, you're very so, active on social media, at least Facebook. I see you, you know, um, I, I mean, you, you try. <laughs> I mean, you put, I always see you posting something of uh, of importance for your fan base. So that's that's a good thing, right? Well, that's why it's kind of things I had to learn to come to to doing. And um, you know, I and the initial parts when I first, I'm like, I don't know, you know. Besides getting up on stage, I mean, what's so interesting? You know, I don't like. I'm not going. You know, here I just went to the bathroom today, and you know, I drink coffee. I'm like one of those kind of people that just tells out my business all over to everybody, you know? Uh, so it's been for me, I probably don't, you know, go as crazy as a lot of people out there. Um, but you know, I feel like when there's something that's of, of relevance or something I think is cool or something that's important that I'd like my fans to know about, I put it out there. Mm. Uh, you know, but it's, it's, I'm not, you know, over the top with it. That's for sure. No, you're, you're not doing the latest, uh, TikTok craze. You're not going to see Howie D doing that. I promise you that. Didn't, <laughs> did, didn't you guys at one point do like X amount of countries and X amount of days? Was it for the millennium album or black and blue? Is that- oh, it, black and blue, uh, promotional run that we did for the album release. We did, uh, six continents in a hundred hours. We unfortunately didn't get to Antarctica. Uh, we just didn't have the time. Um, but we did six continents in a hundred hours. Um, we stopped in each of the continents and did promotion for the record and uh, finished off in America. We felt definitely black and blue by the time we got there. We were so jet lagged, uh, <laughs> but, um, and we're still probably playing for that plane that we had that we took off the world. Uh, still today. uh but, um, <clears throat> it was a great promotional, uh, you know, opportunity for us to get her, to get around the world and show everybody how much of a, a world fan base that we have. Did you, do have you guys ever, I mean, we're talking three decades, so these things must come up, but you guys have been able to keep, you know, a lot of your business under wraps. It's like the, the Backstreet Boys are not like the present day bands where, and it's probably because they are so open on social media, but have you guys ever had a Stillwater, almost famous uh, airplane moment where something went wrong with the plane and you're like, we're going down. I got to tell you something, AJ, I did this to your shoe one time. I know. It made having to tell us a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, we've had some scary moments, you know, definitely on private planes where, you know, in, in uh, Paris coming from one kind of thing from Germany, going to Paris where the plane, we were just all sleeping next to it just, you know, kind of mm. hits a big air pocket and we're all just like, you know, praying to God, you know, putting our heads between our legs and just, you know, praying to God, wishing, you know, that we make it down safely. Um, but nothing crazy. I mean, we actually were in the early years in Germany. Uh, we were supposed to go on a helicopter uh, ride with uh, like a school field trip. And luckily enough, our manager at the time did enough research on the helicopter. He didn't feel safe for us to go on it. So we didn't do the promotional a uh, little trip, and um, unfortunately, another artist did it, and the helicopter crashed. Oh my god! Believe it. And nobody survived except for one person. Um, so, fate definitely stepped into place there for sure. That uh, we were blessed that our manager at that time 
uh, did us right by making sure that uh, we didn't get on that helicopter. I swear, uh, to, I swear to God, you guys are like freaking blessed unicorns. I mean, like everything that is good that can happen to, to a group of guys has happened to you guys. And, and, and it's, you know, again, I bit, I was there at the beginning and, you know, people, hey. people look at these, you know, you guys or the NSYNC guys or anybody from that era in the pop world. And they're like, they must be. And I always say the nicest guys in the world. I mean, they, they, you know, every hey. time I've run into you over the years, you're the same guy who I was over his house or his, I think grandma's house in the basement and you're coming back from tour, you know, I mean, just to like, well, yeah. I'm back. This is it. You know, yeah. it. you know, you're that guy. Yeah. Mom's house. I know it's crazy. <laughs> uh, memorable years. That's for sure. Yeah. I had a little energy back in those days than I do now. That's some of the biggest change. Oh, when you were saying earlier about, uh, some of the difference between, you know, then and now and over the years, uh, Probably, if anything, some of the biggest changes is that, you know, instead of having the bottle service at the clubs being up late at night, we're doing, we were, you know, now that we all have kids, we have like baby bottle service. Uh, we have our, our dressing rooms oh, uh, pretty much now have a, a whole another family room that we have for all the, the wives and kids. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think we still are the same guys. I feel like, you know, we, we, uh, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why we've been able to stick, you know, as long as we have, because, we haven't forgot where we came from. Uh, we keep each other in check. Um, you know, we don't let anybody's egos get too big. You know, we give each other space to do individual stuff because we need to have that space to be able to keep your own identity, whether it's to work on some solo stuff or acting or charity or whatever it may be, um, you know, or just family time. Um, but, you know, all these things, I feel like, you know, make us only stronger individuals that come back to the plate stronger for the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a did you have an old haunt in Orlando? Like, were you a taboo guy or a Roxy guy? Well, I don't know if you remember. I was actually part owner in Taboo. Well, that's right with Mark and Johnny, right? Yes, exactly. Mark and you, yeah, and Johnny and and uh, Morgan, John Morgan, John Morgan. Huh? Uh, yeah, I know. So yeah, Taboo. But I went to all of them. I went to Roxy's fight night on Mondays and stuff like that. <laughs> I was there at all of them. Especially with my brother Johnny. Especially when I come back into town, that my purple Corvette. Yeah. You knew how. Brown, that's for sure. <laughs> Johnny Magic actually was, uh, I still keep in contact. He's my mentor. You know that. And he was just nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. Well-deserved. Very well-deserved. Johnny. Uh, what was it? Doc and Johnny, even back in the early days. Mm-hmm. I, the first interviews uh, we did with uh, XL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heidi, I think was her name. Uh, Hildy, 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 yes. yeah, Hildy. Our videos, our first videos, we've got it going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hildy and I hosted your, I believe it was the first event for your Lupus Foundation. Uh, right. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Thank you once again for that. Oh, anytime. <laughs> I do. That, that was the night that I swear to God, Debbie Gibson was hitting on me. She was not, but I swear to God, I had a couple too many. And I got to meet uh, uh, Greg Brady, uh, you know, Johnny Bravo. You guys performed that night, and I was up on stage, and he was getting off, and I go, I I didn't know he was going to be there. I said, oh, my God, there's clowns never laughed before. And he's, like, going through the back, and he's like, yeah, peace out, man. We'll see you. I was like, no, come back. I know. Those are some great years. I think back on it. 
with Orlando and uh, the support that I got from my Lupus Foundation. My sister, I lost to Lupus many years ago, and the cheer concerts. I look back on it, and I remember, like, like you say, the Debbie Gibson, the Pointer Sisters, the the Monkeys, even the uh, Rascal Flats. I had them before they blew up, and um, John Cicada. It was just such a great, you know, support and love that I got from you guys at XL and also the local community, and and uh, you know, it was just a really cool time that I look back and was able to do something good philanthropic outside of the Backstreet Boys by raising money and uh, just having the support of all the other artists in the industry that were coming out and supporting me and my, and my foundation and just was definitely some of the best memories I can take back of my career for sure. Yeah, it, it, there were, you know, simpler times, good times. We were younger and I remember right. the, the moment, even young in my career, that I could tell you guys were no longer just the Backstreet Boys from Orlando, but now you're this phenomena. Um, and you guys arrived all wearing the same thing in a white limousine. And we used to do this school supply drive thing. And you guys pulled out all these school supplies from the back of this limousine. And I'm looking at the fans that were, you know, were barricaded off. And anyway, I think we all thought they were there for us, but you, you guys show up and it was just nuts. And I remember Johnny saying something to me like, he's like, this is probably going to be one of the last times you're going to, we're going to be able to be able to call them to come out right away without going through five people. But it was when you guys exploded and it was almost overnight, right? I mean, in the, in the States, it's kind of crazy because um, actually we came out, we started in like 93, the group started. And uh, like 94, we really started perfecting our craft. We got signed with the label at that point. And then we came up with our first single, We've Got It Going On. Um, but if I recall correctly, at the time, the music scene wasn't really ready for us. I think grunge and rap was really big at the time, Nirvana. And so I think our, our single went on the dance charts to like number 69. But we really couldn't break at that time. But so that's, that's when we went overseas to Europe. And started our career really over there in Germany and Switzerland, Austria. And then actually America, believe it or not, in those early years for about three years, we called it no fan land <laughs> because we would go over to Europe and all these places. And it'd be like, you thought the Beatles were there, you know, the, the airports and the, the tarmac and everything. We, we, we'd land down in, in Orlando airport and be like, nobody's here for us. I'm like, chirp, chirp. You know, it's like <laughs> nobody, no fan land, we called it. But then eventually, uh, and I, we give credit to Canada because of the border states up there i mean uh the states are up near the border um the music crossed over from canada down so like in 97 it finally clicked over for us so a lot of times people i think definitely think that it just you know it happened overnight but not really knowing the story that there was a good like four years where we you know did the grassroots approach across you know all over the world till it finally came back to america but i you know i look back on it and i think it was meant to be the way it was because it gave us a chance to really perfect our craft and to overseas uh, to come back to America because, you know, we all know in America, it's, you know, you got to get one shot mm. at it. And if you're not ready, if it's not the right sound, if it's not the right music, the right look, the right, you know, whole package, you know, people just move on. And so it was, I think it, it was meant to happen. But once we came back, it did. Then at that point, it was overnight, I think. I think at that point, us Spice Girls were out, Hanson were coming. I think there was this wave of pop music that was coming to America that they were ready for, you know, some easy listening. I think we had just gotten over the Gulf War, um, different president election at that time, and it was everything was just, you know, the timing was right for us at that point. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Like I love watching these documentaries of the different decades and how the world 
syncs up with music and how music syncs up with society of what's happening. You know, old New York Seinfeld, new New York friends. You know, there's the transition in the 90s between the two as they cleaned up the city. I always use that reference for certain things. But we were coming, we were coming out of, you know, you and I both Gen Xers. And, you know, I was a latchkey kid. I could associate myself with grunge music. Um, not so much I wanted to do heroin, but I could, you know, I was wearing the, the flannels and stuff like that. But then it just, you know, it kind of, it changed where it was like, we need to be happier. And that's when the pop station started to blow up. And credit to a station, I believe, in Canada, like the one I'm talking about in Orlando, that helped launch you guys up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, Yeah. Man, the XL definitely we give credit to for sure uh, from being you know one of the first hometown stations that you know took pride in us being a hometown group and um, yeah I mean it was definitely you know pop radio at that time uh, I, I mean I think our, our fans kept on requesting so much for us to be on MTV and they didn't have a channel for us so they finally created a channel uh, TRL mm. uh, request live that they, you know, created for us uh, to have a uh, place to be able to put on pop music. And, uh, and then eventually it played so much they had to retire the songs out there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, definitely a different scene. And I think it was almost like a breath of fresh air to everybody uh, when finally, you know, America accepted us. And Carson Daly would, uh, you know, give a lot of credit to him for your success as well, because, you know, at the time when he was hosting Total Request Live, he befriended a lot of, of the acts. You know, you guys, Kid Rock, uh, Limp Bizkit. I mean, everybody from that that John, that generation. Um, but you guys were, like, his go-to, his buddies. Yeah, no, we were definitely blessed. We had a lot of support from Carson and, and MTV. And, you know, at the time, you know, we were, it was the right timing for people, I guess, to, to uh, let go of that that phobia of a, a group, you know, boys coming over and and you know changing the scene and and it being or not cool. Mm. Uh, fans just you know made everybody realize like, hey, there's no judgment. Music is music. You know, if you like it, it makes you feel good. Go with it. Yeah. Or sound like you know, just listen to music with your eyes closed. I brought up the New Kids on the Block uh, tour that you guys did. And that, it, memory serves, that was kind of like the resurgence of the Backstreet Boys out of kind of hiding, right? And, you know, I grew New Kids on the Block was my first CD that I ever owned. Uh, I, like, you put Hanging Tough on in the car and, dude, watch out. And, and, and you guys are on tour, NKOTBSB. Whose idea was that? That to me is the most brilliant because it wasn't just like one band, one band. You guys were doing it together. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really proud of that that tour that we did with them. I mean, we were all huge fans of New York Block. I mean, I remember times when I would listen to them and be like trying to send in cassette tapes of myself to the fan club, seeing if I could somehow become the sixth member of the group. And uh, you know, they were just they were doing their thing. They were truly the 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 boy band before us, that's for sure. Yeah. And we loved them and admired them and their success that they had. And, um, you know, with our manager, Johnny Wright, you know, being our manager many years before that, and Donna Wright, you know, working with them, we got to know them over the years. Uh, Jonathan would always come into Orlando. We'd see them out of, you know, at Pleasure Island, different places back in the days, the clubs back in those years. Um, and they were just a bunch of great guys. So 
you know, we would see them on the road and they would come out every so often. We were doing our thing and they were taking more of a break. And so they got back together and were kicking butt. And I think actually, if I recall correctly, I think it was Donnie that had the idea of us doing something together. And, you know, next thing you know, we were all into it. Management were talking to each other. They were all into it. And it's like, you know, once again, it's like, you know, there's room for everybody out there. Mm. Um, especially since we've all had success of our own. And uh, why not, you know, combine it together? And we were bringing several generations together at that point with music. And, um, you know, we were, you know, they were definitely uh, earning fans from our side. We were earning fans from their, their, their years of, of uh, fans and stuff like that. And it was just, it was a win-win situation for all of us. Um, and, you know, I think I'm proud to say that, you know, that we are, I think still to this day, the, the only really true, like, collaboration that uh, both of us have done together and that kind of a thing. I think, you know, we both have had other acts that have been on tour with us, but to share the stage together and actually even to have a song, we actually recorded two songs together. Um, besides the Florida Georgia line, um, you know, that was pretty much the only, you know, other band that we've actually done that kind of historical kind of thing. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. They're great guys. Big friends with all of them. Yeah. I, I can do the new kids dance, by the way. I can <laughs> I, I still, even after all these years, I, I can do that. All right. Uh, <laughs> Nate, do you, do you, I don't want to keep out too long because you're going to miss the show, but Nate, do you have a question for Howie? Yeah, I was just wondering, Howie, have you ever fallen off a stay off the stage or any of the other guys? And if that happens, like what what do you do? How do you recover? Um, or what are your instructions for that? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I will admit that I have fallen off the stage a couple of times, um, especially when I'm out there. Like um, we have sometimes the the stage will not just be regular flat, but sometimes I have like a passerella to go out. And if I get out there and I get too caught up looking at somebody and next thing I move, miss a dance move and somebody accidentally bumps me. I can admit that I've, I've definitely uh, fallen off a couple times. Uh, luckily, the last time I at least had a security guard that was right there, like caught me in his arms. Uh, that worked out to my benefit. Uh, but, you know, definitely I'd say probably the next uh, most accident prone is AJ. He, uh, we had, it was on the New Kids in the Block show. Um, he was doing, uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was in rehearsals, thank God, for him. Uh, but there was like a uh, uh, like a little trap door that we had. And he just walked right through it, next to him, right down. And uh, pretty much just gave him a big scrape, big raspberry. You know, he went to the hospital, was, you know, made a big ordeal out of it more than it really was. Uh, but, yeah, I would admit that we've we've had a couple of casualties amongst the group. <laughs> yeah. So do you just jump right back in? Like, if once you get back on the stage, you just have to try to get back in, or do they pause for a second? Or I think the last time I remember uh, not falling off the stage, but I fell into the stage uh, in Vegas on a residency back about three years ago. Uh, we have these quick changes sometimes, and sometimes in the back there it can get really dark with the lights keeping everything dark in the back and. I remember I was running late and I bumped into our wardrobe girl and did like a 360 right into like a sharp metal point and punctured my kneecap. And uh, it was definitely, uh, I think I was in such shock that I didn't realize how bad it was, it was hurting me. I went on stage and I tried finishing like the last song. I think I wanted that way or Backstreet's Back. And I'm, I'm dancing. You can see the blood like coming out of my pants and the, the show. And the fans are like, ah, it's crazy. What's going on? <laughs> actually did go to the hospital got some stitches for that uh, that was that was worthy of going to the hospital for uh, but yeah you know just 
you try to just let the show, you know, continue on, you know, the show must go on. Did you, did you enjoy performing at plant? You guys were at planet Hollywood, right? You were there right after I think Britney's residency, correct? Yes. Yeah. Actually it was, it was a tail end of her residency. We were sharing the stage. They normally have like four different artists sharing the stage throughout the year. And that was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, off to Britney and Celine on and everybody, you know, did for us that made Vegas, like, places to want to do a residency and and not think of it as the place that you go to retire into the sunset yeah. uh yeah it was lots of fun yeah that, there's just an energy there my best friend's a dj he's got residency at hakasan and and uh the omni and he does the wet republic stuff and it's just it's a different world it's a different lifestyle yeah. it's, it's lots of fun <laughs> lots of fun yeah <laughs> lots of fun uh jill question for howie Hey, Howie. Thanks for talking to us. Millennium was one of my first CDs ever. Um, Uh, Shows my age. Um, You talked a lot, or not a lot, you talked about getting really nervous before shows. So I was just curious, what is some advice that you would give to people to help them, like, harness their nerves before doing something super important? um, Believe me, I wish I could still get some advice myself from somebody to help me control my nerves on stage. But um, I guess... Best thing I can do is, is I try to say, okay, take a deep breath, realize that, you know, even if you do mess up, a lot of times in your own head, and people don't really catch the mistake as much as you probably really think they do. So just go out there and really just try to have fun and try to be in the moment. Um, because before you know it, the moment's gone. And, you know, instead of being all anxious and, and having nerves, to take the, the enjoyment of the blessing that you have, try to just, you know, be realize the blessing that you have and, and realize that, you know, we're all just humans. Even if you make a mistake, who cares? Um, you know, most people, you're more human uh, than, you know, trying to be perfect. What's, so, but, what, what's yeah. left for you? I mean, you, you, you've done it all. I mean, you've sold out stadiums. You've traveled the world. You've performed the national anthem at Super Bowls. I mean, there's there's nothing that you have not done that I that I mean on paper, but personally, there's got to be something that you want to get done. I mean, I think for the group, we've always said that you know, receiving a, a Grammy would be something that's like the ultimate for us. That's something we haven't received yet. Um, we've been nominated, I think, like eight times. Um, and, uh, snow me always, we're in the category with like Santana or sting or something, you know, we're just, there's no, and so maybe in another 10, 20 more years, maybe we'll get like a legendary award, uh, when we get closer to the age that they were, when we were nominated. Um, but yeah, doing that, I guess being the hall, you know, rock and roll hall of fame would be an honor, of course. Um, you know, but you know, there's, you're right. I and mean, we have done so much that if this all ended tomorrow, um, I definitely can't be upset. I mean, I've had an unbelievable ride and, uh, to, to know that we're still on this ride right now is even the best part of it. Would you be ready to handle the kickback from the vocal, probably minority, if you're nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, you just saw what happened. I mean, it happens every year, right? I mean, Dolly was like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to turn it down and then she obviously took it cuz who is not going to take it but to have a and I'm going to use the air quotes as well cuz I know you don't like the boy band thing but a boy band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you're going to get a little kickback you know that Of course of course I mean if I'm not mistaken didn't Eminem just get nominated Yeah 
and deservingly. I, I'm not. I'm not one of those people. By the way, I've come to the realization right. that it's not. It's just not what people think it is. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think it's it's definitely you know um, if the, the genre had stayed always to just rock and roll, um, and we were the first ones outside of that uh, genre, which thank God we're not. So we would you know uh, at least we're not completely going to take the beating. Uh, we can use other people as examples before us, uh, like you said, Dolly Parton and Eminem that have come and sure. and accepted and embraced. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, the title rock and roll is what, you know, is what really, you know, throws it into like a category that leaves a lot of interpretation for people. Um, if it was just a, you know, music hall of fame, then it would probably be, you know, you wouldn't get any slack, you know, any, you know, backlash for it, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the rock and roll hall of fame and, you know, if it's, if it's meant to be for us and people would accept us in there, I think we'd be honored. Um, but at the same time, if it's not and the stars aren't aligned for us, I, I still got plenty of other accolades and awards and, and accomplishments that I'd still be able to sleep at night and feel okay. Yeah, I think they need to change it just so – unless they like the promotion every year when people get all upset, but just to the music hall <laughs> fame. But it's like, you know, the hard rock. The hard rock has made a name for itself with so much music memorabilia, including you guys that, that, that are in the hard rocks. Um, oh but it's hard rock. So like, I mean, you could make the same argument. It's like, why is this in the hard rock hall of fame? Why isn't it all Pantera and Slipknot? What the hell's going on here? I'm not having a burger. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's uh, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see in the years from now where uh, things go, if things will be changed or not. Well, I'll see you on Tuesday. I got my yep. tickets. We're going to have a good time. Uh, last time you were in town, I was embarrassed by my wife um, that you had a little special get together. There she is. Um, that she she touched you in front of me and says, "I just touched a Backstreet Boy." And I said, "You know how you're supposed to act around my work friends." And so I apologize for that. She's doing it right now with the camera and stuff. So I'm sorry. Uh, that's pretty funny. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> um, thank you so much for all the time, brother. It's yeah. great to see you. Great to talk to you. Yep. I'm so happy, oh. proud, all that good stuff. You keep doing what you're doing. Don't thank fall you, off stage in Dallas, and we'll see you in Atlanta here. Yeah, I look forward to it. Congrats with everything, buddy. See yeah, you, Howie. Thanks, Howie. Thank Bye, you. Howie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Look, my wife sells houses for a living, and she always tells her clients that are selling their house, if you want to upgrade your property value, you got to do something with the kitchen and or the bath. And it, you don't have to be selling your house to upgrade the kitchen and bath. It's just something nice to do, and it upgrades the property value tremendously. That's why I'm telling you about UCI Kitchen and Bath, which has been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator, plus installer for the past 20 years, servicing all of Georgia, parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. It is a one-stop shop for you. You can pop into their showroom in Norcross, Georgia, and you can see their design team, meet their design team, and watch how they'll transform your kitchen and bathroom into this beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality, right? Uh, plus all the latest trends. They've got displays there. So it might give you some good ideas. It's a one-stop shop. As I said, UCI Kitchen and Bath also provides installation, whatever you buy. Let's save you some cash. Mention the BS. You get 10% off regular-priced countertops. So save some money. Mention the Bailey Show podcast, 10% off regular price countertops. UCI Granite. Dot com. 
Veteran-owned, established in 2009, Rockland Contracting. David Hawks is your guy, specializing in deck design and build. He's got this amazing 3D software. You'll see virtually what your deck will look like before it's done. Here's the thing. David Hawks has been with the Bailey Show podcast for a very long time, and he is booked up throughout the summer. So right now, if you're thinking about getting a deck design, he also specializes in basement remodel, new HVAC installation, interior and exterior painting. You got to book now with Rockland Contracting for the fall months. You can get a hold of them at 678-879-3867. 678-879-3867. So many of you two percenters have gotten a hold of David Hawks and Rockland Contracting, and he can't thank you enough. He needs some help. So if you're an experienced deck builder or you know how to do anything else that Rockland Contracting does, get a hold of David Hawk, 678-879-3867 or rocklandcontractingllc.com. Look, I know what it's like to start up a small business and run a small business. That's what this is. What can you do to take the next step? Create Graphics can help you out with that. They're a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, and they've got some really good ones in-house. Wide-format printing and graphic installation. Specializing, again, in vehicle wraps, corporate events, interior and exterior events, graphic design, and apparel. A lot of the stuff of the BS Podcast, if not all the stuff, comes from Create Graphics. CreateGraphics.net. That's C-R-E-A-T-E. G-R-A-P-H-I-X dot net or 770-369-9962. That's 770-369-9962. Serving Metro Atlanta and shipping worldwide. Create graphics. They definitely know what they're doing. Excellent customer service and communication in every project will get a one-on-one experience from start to finish. Again, create graphics with an X dot net. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. Back streets, back eyes. Quit playing games with my heart. He's right, though. Howie's right. You know, the older you get, the more you let go of the cheese factor. You know, because there was a time when everybody turned heel on those guys. Bunch of pussies listening to that pussy-ass band and listen to rock and roll. You know. But the older you get, the less you care. Uh, you know, I still have a little of that, you know, pussy me rock and roll in me. But I can appreciate those guys and what they've done. Plus, they're very nice. Very nice guys. They haven't let the fame get to them, which is cool. They could. So, Yeah, they're successful, and they seem to have stayed themselves pretty much. And I don't think there was, like, too much scandal involved. So they have a good story. No, they, they've really stayed off the radar. Outside of AJ going to rehab, you know, shit happens. Um, there's no, none of them have beaten a woman or drugs or none of that stuff. They're all just kind of yeah. clean cut dudes. Same with the NSYNC guys. You know, they didn't do that. The new kids had a little bad run of that kind of shit. Uh, but, uh, the, the, the NSYNC guys, they, you know, I think the biggest news to ever come out of there was one was gay, uh, which I knew fucking years ago. Who cares? 
I'd walk in. Lance had this little, well, not little, but Lance had a friend back in their early days that I remember them in the hotel room next to, to me and my buddy Hyla, who I worked with for years. And they were, we walked in and they're wrestling around with their shirts off and we just all kind of knew. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, it was a different type of wrestling. I mean, it wasn't like wrestling. It was like, yeah, that kind of thing. So not a big deal. Who cares? Right. So good for them. So my wife's yeah. very, very excited to go uh, on Tuesday, Ameris Bank Amphitheater in Alpharetta, Georgia. We got our tickets. Thank you to Live Nation um, for those tickets. And uh, charging you a million dollars for your tickets. What's that? For charging you a million dollars for your tickets. No, they did not charge me a million dollars for those tickets. I, uh, that's why I'm thanking Live Nation because I was not charged a million dollars for those tickets. <laughs> um, that, and then we're going to go back and see. And the only unfortunate thing, and I hate when this happens because I have four passes to the show. So we're taking our friends with us, but they can't go with us to go say hi. I only have two and I didn't want to ask for more. So it's going to have to be one of those things like, we're going to go to the bathroom. We'll be right back. You know, it's like, where have you guys been? (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those deals. (laughs) Yeah. So feel bad. Uh, You sent me this Home Depot story. Did you not, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I remember running across it in my my feed. This is not my Home Depot. Uh, it is in Roswell, but this is on the other side. This is Holcomb Bridge Road. I've been to that one. Yeah, I mean, I've been to it, but this is not my go-to home depot. Uh, there was an employee impaled by a crowbar while on the job. This happened, uh, what, June 14th. Ooh. Yeah, when the police department arrive, arrived, they found the impaled woman standing on a forklift. Are you getting the visual here? The crow, mm-hmm. the crowbar went through the 54-year-old woman's abdomen. Ah. Uh, and one end was stuck inside a compactor. There was very little blood on the scene as the crowbar was keeping pressure on the wound, which makes sense. You know, so they probably took her to the hospital with the crowbar in her, right? Sounds yeah, like I think it. they... I think they did. I think they had to cut it out probably at the hospital because that's the thing, right? You're not supposed to remove something if you get impaled or stabbed or something like that so you don't bleed out. Yeah, it says it right here. She was loaded into the ambulance with the crowbar still in her body. I Like, I'm, I'm wondering if she was coherent because if you look down and you're walking around the fucking crowbar sticking out of your abdomen, like, that's, you would go into shock. I would go into shock. I would, pan, I mean, you have to stay cool, right? These... These people at the Roswell Fire Department, which I'm sure they are, they're going to really have to be almost therapists and saying, hey, look, it's going to be fine. We, we have four of these a day. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Just relax. Uh, we got it. But we got to take it to the hospital with the crowbar because if we take the crowbar out now, it's going to be messy. It's going to be bad. You're not going to want that. Trust me. I do this all the time. Crowbars and abdomens are my specialty. Relax. Can I get you a tea or something? Lemonade? Maybe we'll stop at the Chick-fil-A on the way back. I don't know. There's Because there's a Chick-fil-A right here. There's a Starbucks here as well. You know, whatever. You got to be cool. Uh, the police department escorted the ambulance to the hospital in an effort to provide the smoothest ride as possible. I don't know why they put that in the story. Another employee told police he was moving pallets when he heard honking and the woman yelling for help. The employee had Tempted to move the forklift, but the woman's foot was stuck on the brake. It is not known how the incident happened. The woman required surgery to remove the crowbar. Duh. 
And last time the news source, so does this 46, checked, her condition was listed as stable. So that's good. That's a good thing. All right, so speculation time. How does one get a crowbar stuck in their abdomen? Remember, a crowbar, right, on one end is a hook, and the other end is is the prior. So you're. I'm assuming the pry part of it was the one that went through her abdomen, correct? I got to look up an image of this because maybe I'm not imagining the right thing. Well, pr- oh, Brandon, right. Crowbar's got the hook like a candy cane. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the other side is a pry part. And that's fatter. So it's like a, like a fish hook or something. Is that what y'all are saying? Like went through and kind of stuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a cane, like a candy cane. Ooh, and then, but yes. no, no, no. That's not the part that we're saying that went through the abdomen. It's the, it's the other part. Oh, the other part. The flat part, the pry part. But that would be, well, none of it's good, but it, it, it wide, the, the pry part of the crowbar widens out, right, Brennan? It's not parallel with the rest of the crowbar. It gets a little wider at the end. Yeah, I think it flares out so flares you can, there's tapered, yeah. yeah so yeah. you can get something under there and pop it open. Exactly. Okay, so how does that part, like, again, I'm assuming it's that part. How would that part go through someone's abdomen? What would you be doing in order to have that happen? Mm, maybe she was, like, getting something off a shelf, and it was, like, laying on the shelf, like, halfway sticking out, and she just, like, ran into it. I don't know. I, I still don't think that that you could do. You would have to uh, you would have to fall on it in order for it to go through. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but the thing would have to be sticking straight up. So you well, can't I'm saying if it's like horizontal on a shelf, just like laying there, like someone didn't put it up or something up and she's loading. She, yeah, I guess we got to figure out if she if it came in from the back or the front. Well, it said she was in in the forklift and they she they uh, approached her standing on the forklift and the guy ha- said that they couldn't move the forklift because her foot was on the brake so she was sitting in the forklift so she didn't fall on anything it fell on her okay so she's sitting on the forklift so it had to go through her front or it went the back can't go through her back she's got the like, well, it's abdomen so it's abdomen so it's her, her front i yeah. don't think they're going to they would say like spleen if it went through her back okay so it's, it go all the way through so it's her front I don't know, but how does it, like, what I'm saying is like, you know, any, like if your body pokes into anything, your, your initial reaction is going to, you know, just jump back, you know? So it's not like it's a sharp object. So you would have to have some type of major force going into, especially in the front, like in the back, it makes sense. Like you fell on it. I get it. But to have it go through the front of your body that's just, it's a lot of force. And you're, you're, cause you'd be able to see it coming. And she didn't stop it. I don't know. Ow. Well, if she was on, maybe it was sticking out of something and she ran the forklift into it. And that, that was like the pressure that it was pushing into her body. It was like in the, in the shelves or something. I don't know. That's, that's, that's horrible. I mean, like the worst thing I think I've ever seen is somebody. Uh, step on a rusty nail and have the nail sticking up through their, their foot. And they have to go through my cousin had that happen. You know, it's like, that's why I, I still, to this day, I hate going barefoot beach. One thing, but you know, like our, our daughter and her friends fucking run around their socks and barefoot all the time. It drives me insane. I'm like, it's just dirty. You never know what you're going to step on piece of glass. That's the worst thing in the world. Then you're off your feet for like five days because you got a glass stuck in your foot and now it's infected and then you're going to lose everything. You know, it's just, it's horrible. Um, so I, like you see that 
you've got to you call 911 and this poor woman who's not a spring chicken has got a, a crowbar stuck in her abdomen like you you've got to you've got to be really really cool with her you know it's like don't freak out cuz you could have a fucking heart attack i would have a heart attack yeah, but most traumatic. people in these situations, they're very calm because the um, the endorphins and stuff kick in and they're in shock, so they don't feel this stuff. It's okay. like people walking around with like their arm cut off and they they seem fine. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> wonder what Home Depot is going to do for her afterwards, like make her employee of the year. And I think they give her, like if somebody gets in an accident like that, I think you give them a raise. Just at least a dollar an hour or something. Hopefully. Yeah, you got to do Unless something. it's her fault. I don't like if she's just an idiot and drove a forklift into a crowbar. I'm not giving her any money. I'm I might fire her actually. <laughs> I, I bet you if you Google Google this right now, Nate or Jill. I bet you if you Google person gets impaled by crowbar, you won't find another story. I don't want to Google that. <laughs> just I, in case there is another. I, I don't think you'd find another. That's. Oh, to I me, bet there's like ten. That, that to me sounds like it's <laughs> virtually impossible to do. It does seem pretty unlikely. This wasn't what I was imagining. I was thinking more of like a pipe situation because I've seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy like that. Like if they would have said, did not end well. If they would have said rebar, that that I could understand. Totally yeah. understand rebar. Like that's these are small. Those things are fucking dangerous. You know, I mean, you could use it as a javelin, go through somebody's throat easily. Um, but a crowbar is just and a crowbar at Home Depot. They That's even, what I'm saying. They don't even sell. Well, I mean, I know you got to have them to open up the boxes and stuff, but it's not like there's a bunch of crowbars laying around. It sounds like yeah, something like, that would happen at like a car garage or something. There's a guy in uh, 2015 in um, where this was, Arltonville. Doesn't say where, but he was impaled by a crowbar while working in a gold mine. 2015. Does it say how? Um, I have to read through this. I bet you none of the stories say how. Yeah, he said because of of the adrenaline rush, I had absolutely no pain. Wow. Well, if that's the case, I'd be like, all right, everybody, start taking some pictures. <laughs> like this is badass. There's never in my life am I am I going to have a crowbar coming out of my body? Everybody, <laughs> let's let's do a photo shoot. I'm good. Like until I get to the hospital, they take care. I'm fine. I can live with a crowbar. That's like you know what? Sometimes when there's something impaled in people the doctors will just leave it in their body uh, or, or they, they won't take it out. You know what I mean? They're like, well, it's best if it just stays in there. Cause if we take it out, Dude, it's gonna fuck you, everything. you have to see the x-ray of this guy. I just sent it to you in the chat. Right. I can't believe this guy's alive. Right. See, this is why I didn't want to Google it. <laughs> oh no, that's cool. Uh, that's bad. Hold on. That's bad. <laughs> oh my God. So this in sitting position. Holy shit. That's the biggest crowbar I have ever seen in my entire life of America. Yeah. How did that happen? So this crowbar looks like it goes up from his left foot. Oh, my god! Through the back of his calf, up oh. up his, uh, his hammy, just inside his penis, up through his stomach, and oh. out through the middle of his back. Ah. Holy fuck. So we'll put it on social. He's got one, two, three, four holes in his body from one crowbar. I'm thinking of a small crowbar. So maybe this woman was impaled with something like this. This is a bit, it's like a spear. Yeah. Well, and he was also working at a gold mine. So maybe they had, they have bigger equipment there than they would at Home Depot. 
Yeah, we got one like that. We used to like to hook up the tractor, like the bush hog and everything, to slide the pins back and forth. That's what we. That's what I was thinking. It was a big one like this. She got stabbed by. God, if I'm this guy, I'd look at this picture and be like, Jesus, I need to get in the gym. It shows his gut. It's like flabby neck. (laughs) It's like, oh god, this is like worse than being overweight and having pictures taken with your shirt off. (laughs) You get into the time hop. You're like, oh, I got a few. I got a few of those out there. Trust me. It's like, look at this. Oh my god, you should see the X-ray of me. My my me with my shirt off. It's fucking horrible. Uh, Well, yeah. Here's another one. Man, fifty one. This was in 2018. Nailed to the ground after being impaled by a 36-inch crowbar after uh, that perforated his bowels after falling off a shed. Wow. Ow. This shit happens a lot. Why are people, like, hanging out with crowbars so often? I don't think I've ever used a crowbar. But, see, now that makes that sense. Was... He fell off a shed onto the crowbar. Yeah. Like, that That I can understand. The gold mine thing, I still don't understand that either. You know, because you're in tight quarters, so you don't have enough room to impale. Like, this one... It was like somebody picked him up and set him down on the crowbar, right? And the lady at Home Depot, she was fucking sitting in a forklift. So how the crowbar got into her abdomen, I have no idea. Uh, so it's just weird. Just very, very odd. I don't know. Well, it's weird. Do you, they didn't put her name in this story. Is that normal? Um, I guess because she didn't commit a crime, they didn't put who it was. Yeah, they probably didn't even research it. They probably like who the fuck cares? We don't even need to get her name. Just tell the story. Yeah, we just need another story to put out. Yeah, let's let, let's our quota. let's find something better about how everybody you know hates you know people in power or hates the cops or um let, let's find something juicy like that because that's what we need let's find some more you know COVID's kind of dying out so that's not fun anymore nobody listens to us about that stuff so <laughs> yeah like this, this is the good like these, these are the great stories especially you know of course she lives so there's a happy ending you don't want to hear if she dies you want to hear you want to hear the happy ending maybe how we could help like maybe we should start a GoFundMe for the crowbar lady um give her some money i don't know yeah. Seems, seems to make that was a bar right. I used to went, go to in high school. It's called the Crowbar. I was, that's what I was thinking of too. Yeah, the Crowbar. I remember. The, I remember the Crowbar. It was on like what Pine. Oh, this was in Iowa. Oh, there so was probably, there, probably there, more than one. Yeah, th- there was one in Orlando. It was called Crowbar. Yeah, I, we used to go there all the time. Uh, get you a better with fuck again this week. Very proud of my work with better with fuck. This was uh, suggested by Luke Blanks from the Two Percenters Facebook group. By the way, if you haven't joined that yet, feel free. We'll approve you. We approve everybody. So uh, thank you to Luke Blanks. Uh, Nate, you're going to be proud. Finally, the Bailey household is cutting the cord. Woo! Mm -hmm. But I don't know if we're doing it correctly. I I, I don't know if we're doing it. I think there's a way to do it. So you have all your ducks in a row. So you're not playing catch up afterwards. Cause like, you know, what's out there on streaming services. So you got to figure out what you need and what you're going to need to order. Right? So we have the Netflix, we have the Disney plus, we have the Hulu, we have the Amazon prime, right? We have the Peacock. Okay. Uh, but I think we need like a YouTube TV or a FUBU TV. FUBU TV. Yeah, that's the equivalent. But they have the red zone on the FUBU TV. It's more sports-centric. But the YouTube TV, you can try out. How, how many users can can use the YouTube TV? Is it like five? 
think it's five. Yeah. yeah, like five or six. Yeah, it might be five. Okay, so I fell in love with the YouTube TV when um, I had the hemorrhoid in Destin a couple years ago. And I was, you know, I had to cut out the night before emergency surgery. And I had to spend the entire day at this Airbnb. And I wanted to watch football. And, the, the, you know, didn't have the, couldn't figure out the red zone on this. The guy didn't have cable. He had just the, the apps. And somebody had left their YouTube TV signed in. Or I think or maybe I even reached out to Nate to have get your password or something. I was able to watch football on the YouTube TV. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's DVR space, like unlimited DVR space. It looks just like a menu that you're used to. Brilliant, smart move. Um, they've got, you know, the channels. So DirecTV is who we've had for a long time. We're just done paying this ridiculous amount of money for all this stuff that we don't use. And all these pay channels, the HBO, the Cinemax, the Showtime, they never have shit on. Never. And it's just like yeah. a waste of money on a daily basis. So Rach's name is on the DirecTV. So I was like, this is your responsibility. So I would remind her. I mean, this has been going on for like a year. She's the one that's been hesitant to cut the cord. Ariel doesn't even watch TV. If she's yeah. watching something, she's watching it on her phone. Kids, teenagers, they don't watch television. They watch phones. They don't even watch iPads. They watch phones. Uh, Caleb was kind of the same way. He watched TV, but he watched the streaming services. So it's funny, the different generations, right? For mm -hmm. our my generation, at least, Gen X's, we like the knowing that you just pick up the remote, you turn it on, and then you, the scrolling factor, it's just kind of built in. Got to work our way out of this thing. So finally, Rach calls the DirecTV people and says, you know, hey, look, we're, we're cutting the cord. I don't think she should have said that, but like we're cutting the cord <laughs> and uh, we want to cancel our membership. Because they, they get you into a contract, and I think our contract was, was coming up, or it is coming up next month. And so they try to, of course, talk her out of it, rightfully so. They offer her the min package, which is like $54 a month for the first, first two years, then it goes up to like $80 or something. And she did not take it. But that's essentially what YouTube TV is, right? It's like the min package. So should we have just taken the DirecTV since we already have it in place or say, no, fuck it, we're getting rid of everything? Yeah, I think uh, the problem is, is you you already have so many things. Like, I think you either need to be just happy with all the different services you already have or cancel them all and get YouTube TV. But if you have them all and then you're still paying for like five or six different streaming services, then, yeah, you're not really saving money. Oh, no, we'd still be saving money. I mean... Read between the lines here. Collectively, we have all these services. I see what you're saying. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. yeah. I see. Okay. You got to have one, uh, winky, and then you got to have another one. That, or, well, you have two or three that you can trade off to other people for their services. So then you have other people's logins. Is that illegal to, to use other people's logins? Like, is there a law against that, or is it just frowned upon? Like, counting cards. I think frowned upon. Our yeah, I don't think it's illegal. Netflix is trying to do that, aren't they? They're trying to ban They're people from down, sharing they? accounts. Yeah, they, they made it. They, they made it a thing about it. So let me say this: I have access to all those things. Also, Paramount, Paramount Plus, which is good. So it's right. We would still be saving quite a bit of money, like a lot of money. Um, oh, okay, like, like hundreds well, of dollars of money. Even if they are on par of the same price, they you're getting more with YouTube TV because it's easier to 
if you're at an Airbnb, boom, you just log into it or, you know, yeah. on your phone, in the car or something, you know, you have it. And I know so, some of the, the cable companies have their apps, but I feel like the YouTube TV is a lot, um, has better usability. Yeah. I yep. just, I just said, as long as I can watch law and order SVU, have the crazy bitch network, watch a movie when I want to, which that's easy. Cause you have all those services. Um, my shows, my stories, you know, Yellowstone, stranger things, uh, Lincoln lawyer, you know, but that got all that stuff done, right? Uh, wrestling Peacock got it done. Most importantly, I need the red zone. And so we're trying to figure out which services YouTube TV has it. Oh, it does. Hmm? Oh, really? Yeah. It's a ad. I don't know how much it is, but it's an add on. Oh, okay. Oh, do y'all pay? You have to pay extra for each box you got, right? Yes, that's another thing. Correct. What if you just got rid of like all the boxes except for the one in the man room and then just the other ones so that way you still have a backup, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, it's like we're either all in or not. I think. Oh, okay. It's just like let's let's get rid of it all, you know? Let's just do away with it. Um, well, I didn't know that YouTube TV had – I know Hulu, which we have access to as Red Zone. Uh, I know – I think it was a FUBU TV. It's orange and white. that. They have, am I saying that correctly? Fubu? No, <laughs> it's Fubo TV. Oh, whatever. Uh, Fubu is a brand. No, F- Nikki has Fubu TV. <laughs> you racist Mexican. Uh, yeah, okay, so Fu- Fubo TV. Why would you call it that? That's so close to Fubu. I know. Call it, that's such that's a dumb funny. name. I had to Google it to make sure. Call it something. I, I used that for free when I was up at Paradise City one weekend. It was a football weekend, and I was like, all right, well, how am I going to watch TV? And I'm like researching it. It was not easy to find, at least for me at the time. And I came across it. So I, I, I did the free trial just to watch it for that one day. And it was actually really, really nice and very easy and accessible and all that good stuff. And then they were very pleasant when I canceled. I said, I, I just wanted to watch it today. I was like, I have no interest in buying it right now. And they're like, okay, well, we hope you enjoyed our product. We're like, what's it to them, right? It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's brilliant how that stuff works. It's called Fubo because it was originally, they just show, showed soccer on it. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I was wondering that. That's interesting. That makes sense. I'm still surprised that there hasn't been a monopoly on the apps. Like a like a cable company would have all the networks and the, the HBOs and stuff. And now everybody's branched off to the apps. But for someone to provide a package of apps, which is essentially what cable is, Right. But it's going to be cheaper. Um, I'm surprised no one has done that yet. You know, I know that like Paramount, if you get Paramount, you get all these extras and Discover, you get all these extras under the umbrella of the parent company. But for, let's just say, Bailey Entertainment, you know, if you buy the the different app packages, one is $49.99, you get uh, HBO Max, you get uh, Fubo TV, you get uh, Hulu, and you get all these things. Surprised no one has done that yet. I said this like 15, 20 years ago. I came up with the idea. I said, television one day will be a la carte, and which it is. I said, there's no reason why people, I think I was going through a dispute at the time with DirecTV, so I was like, there's no reason why you should pay for all these channels when you only watch a couple. It's like one of these days, somebody needs to make a la carte television. Lo and behold, a la carte television. But with that, people watch different services. So why isn't there a parent company or a company in general that 
allow you know that that buys the apps or license the apps that you can put into packages that makes sense to me too yeah but that's that's the whole point of having these apps is you don't want that and they would have to build a whole new platform because each one of these companies has their own application so the it kind of defeats the purpose to have an app within an app within an app but see here's what you do is you'd have a let's say hbo max for example you'd have an hbo max light and an hbo max premium so within these, the, these are like kind of testers. So you buy whatever package, it's got eight apps in it, and you're getting the light version where when you go into the app, if you want whatever the premium version is, there's an extra cost to that. I mean, this is make, I mean, like people can bitch and complain all they want about how all these things work. But if you believe in capitalism, which, you know, that seems to be a big argument, People making money is what capitalism is. That's what you want. You know, like the gas prices right now, nobody's happy about the gas prices, but it really is kind of essentially capitalism. I mean, there's there are people making a lot of money off of the gas prices. We are not, but the gas companies are. But the people that bitch about the gas companies are doing exactly what people that are pro-capitalism, which I am, are doing. You know, so it's 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 one of those things. It's it's, it's kind of weird. When it doesn't benefit us, it's bad. But you're not taking into consideration that in the long run, it's good for whoever else. You can't be happy for somebody else because they're taking money out of your pocket. But we'll save probably $200 a month by doing this. Oh, wow. Yeah, damn. Do it then. Yeah. That's that's, uh, 20, 20, uh, $2,400 a year. Yeah, that's pretty good, if not more. I ditched cable too. That's crazy. Did you? When did you do it? Like two months ago. Oh, really? You're saying mm-hmm. you're a neophyte to cutting the cord. <laughs> Brand new. I know. It's weird. Wow. It's weird not having, you know, millions of channels at my disposal. But you're right. I only watch like five of them anyways. Do you watch less television now? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I think- and I just, I have like the streaming services of the ones that I want to watch. So do you, do you have like a set day where you're like, oh, today I'm going to watch blah. No, not anymore. But I feel like that was what kind of used to dictate my social life. I'd be like, oh, well, I got to go home and watch Real Housewives or Siesta Key or one of the other dumb shows that I watch. Um, But now (laughs) I don't have to worry about all that because when I'm watching them, you know, they're at my disposal anyway, so I can just watch them whenever. That Siesta Key show ruins Sarasota. They're just absolutely ruined. It's so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up there. Did you really? Yeah, I grew up there. Oh, and great Siesta, place. Siesta Key was like Beautiful. one of the best kept secrets in the world. It was, it still is, I think, one of the whitest, not people, sand, beaches in the world. But because of the up in tourism, especially because that fucking show on MTV, <laughs> um, it's bad. And the, the like when, when they launched the show, one of the guys got in trouble for dragging a shark behind a boat. He's the son of a big attorney um, mm-hmm. that's really based out of Tampa. He's the guy that came up with, I think, the the 1-800, um, the amphitheater in Tampa used to, to be called that, whatever. But anyway, I heard he's a real douchebag. Like, I got friends that know all these kids and stuff like this. Like, they're just the uppity fucks, you know. He's got a big beach house at the end of uh, Siesta uh, on the, uh, yeah, the private side. Um, Huge mansion. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like we we stayed at an Airbnb right next to it and and laid out. Yeah, it's it's a big it's 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 a nice place. Don't get me wrong, but anyway. Sarasota's great. I always say I want to retire there, but last time I was there, it's just it's crowded. It's just too much stuff going on. Way too much stuff going on. It's like the new spring break destination. Yeah, and there's really not much to do there. They go to the beach and a couple you know beach bars nearby. You know, and then they, now now Atlanta's got the um, oh gosh, Buckhead, Buckhead shore, shore, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's <laughs> zero sense, there's negative sense, no sure anywhere near Buckhead. Like I don't think they were sure of the name of the show. It just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Buckhead Shore, what fucking shore? You're hours from any type of water, uh, and so yeah, that, now yeah. I mean, it's at Lanier, but the Buckhead Association doesn't really make sense. <laughs> So now they show the douchiest of Buckhead. I mean, that's all these shows are. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's find yeah. the douchiest people, put them on camera, have them fight, drink, and have sex, and people will talk about it. I think the star of the Buckhead Shore is the son of the guy who invented Zaxby's, if I remember it correctly. Yeah, they're usually, you know, they don't just take normal people. No, of course not. They take, Why would they? They take uppity people that got many, they come from many, and they put them in there and, you know, so... I'll have to pass on that one as well. So I'm going to hate watching. Well, sure. and, and as like legendary as, as Jersey Shore has become, it's crazy that the the next rendition of the show they did in Atlanta, like of all the other shores out there. I know, like San Diego Shore. Why not? <laughs> did y'all watch? They had Floribama Shore. Did y'all see that one? I don't watch any of that. That was a good one. They were in Panama. No, I I hate reality television. I oh, I love it. Fucking hate it. I hate it. I've always hated it. Never liked it. I think it's so stupid. I have a lot of friends that have been on reality shows. I've had friends that have produced reality shows. I've had friends, uh, video reality shows, be the camera guys for reality shows, and they all hate it. And I hate it too. There's nothing good that comes from it. Even the Jersey Except for Big Brother. Except I love Big Brother. That's not reality television. It's a game show. Oh, that's reality TV. That's real life. It's not game. It's like it's, a social experiment. It's not. It's the real world with a prize at the end. That's all it is. No, no, no. Because it's not edited. They do a 24 our seven day a week stream so there's no edit so it's on all so, the time so on tv it's a it's a 24 hour tv show on television for non-stop 24 hours correct you can literally no. <laughs> you can pay 4.99 a month for cbs on demand or whatever and have access yeah. to 24 hours of yeah. the show big brother's not big brother's the deal I and big i still brother. want to go on big brother you should go. Oh, I we'll nominate to. you. I want to. I, I want to go. I tried. I auditioned one time. I really? begged the executive producer, Allison Grodner. Uh, I went to the well with one of the, the best players of all time who I know, Boogie. And he tried to get, he's like, I can get you to the top 100. But uh, outside of that, I'm, you're on your own. So, but then I was like, you know, there's no way radio is going to let me go for three months during the summer to go on a reality show. It's a huge commitment. That's, that's not going to work. So this wasn't worth it. And then I had a friend, uh, Cara Monaco, who was a Playboy Playmate, and she was on. She got booted the first week, but they wanted to bring her back as a, uh, the, the team won, and she knew I wanted to go on, and she reached out to me. There's a guy in Daytona that got her on that does has a lot of connections, and she was like, do you want to go on there with me? I sure do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, please. But I had just started dating Rach at the time, and then we were getting serious. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. She wanted you to be her showman. Yeah, she she did. I, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. She, 
what a little bit of the kid. I don't, I don't blame her. So anyway, so we're cutting, we, we're cutting the cord next month. July is when the date is. Um, it's very exciting. It's very scary. It's nerve wracking. Uh, I don't know what it's going to do to our lives, but uh, I'll keep you posted. It's going to be good. It's, I, I hope it's going to be good. It's weird. You going to bury all your boxes? In the backyard? No, we got we got to, we got to take them back. They want them back. Really? Yeah, they yeah, got to give those back, bro. They want they want the boxes and the remotes wow. back. They want them all back. Got, Before you get charged, yeah. trust me, I got charged for not returning a remote that didn't even work. Yeah. When we got rid of dish, they didn't even come get it. They just left all the shit there. Well, left the satellite on the damn roof too. When we when we switched from dish to DirecTV, yeah, they're like, fucking keep it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that shit. We don't want it. DirecTV on the other hand, they're like, we want it back, box properly, dropped off no later then. <laughs> Understand? <laughs> Understand. All right. Uh let's see here. Everything's better with fuck you got. You guys are gonna like this week. You guys are gonna love it. Here we go. Whatever we do. It's better with fuck. What? Everything's better with the fuck. And are you ready to give a fuck about your health? And check out Chef Erica, EricaNicoleDay.com. Experienced culinary medicine consultant, private chef with a medical and a high-end restaurant background. Available for consulting on meal planning for weight loss, helping with medical conditions or strict macros for bodybuilding or fitness training. That is one Chef Erica Nicole Day. She is a fantastic human being, a big supporter of the podcast since day one. Even before we started the network, she was with us on the Black Cloud. She is good people and a true two percenter. So uh, please reach out to her if you need her services. Erica Nicole Day.com. E R I C A Nicole Day.com. All right. Thanks to Luke Blanks, the two percenter on the Two Percenters Facebook group. Uh, every week I'm asking, going to the well, asking you guys what you want from everything's better. Some are easier than others. I know everybody's got great ideas, but some just don't work. That's what I've learned in this process. This one worked tremendously. And I thought that I had already done this one, but I guess I didn't. Bob Ross. I have not yet done a Bob Ross, have I? Because it wasn't in my folder. I don't think so. You got to speak in this this medium, Brandon. You just you got to talk. Well, I thought that I don't, I don't think so, but it did sound real familiar. And I was trying to think: was there someone else that was kind of like him? No, I, I looked through my folder. Well, was it Mister Rogers? I had a Mister Rogers, but yeah, I looked, that's what it was. Yeah, I, I looked through yeah. my I looked through my folder, and I did not see a Bob Ross. I was surprised. So this week is Bob Ross. So you guys will be the judge and jury, one to ten, ten being the best. Um, whatever clip scores the highest gets played again. Just a little game within a game. All right. Everything's better with fuck Bob. By, by the way, for those that don't know who Bob Ross is, he was a television personality. He was a painter and he would go on TV with this big fro. He was a white guy and he would paint happy little trees. And it was very relaxing. It was very Zen. It was very goofy and very low budget, but he was huge and has become a cult following and if you haven't seen the Bob Ross documentary, it's okay. But there was a battle between old partners and his family estate. And they interview some of his family, which are not that well off. And he has this empire worth millions and millions of dollars. And it was a struggle back and forth for money and ownership and all that kind of stuff. But he was a painter and you would turn on the television and you'd watch literally just him paint pictures and he would do outdoor landscapes, but he would always have this very soothing voice. And he'd say, oh, I'm just going to put a happy little tree right here. 
Look at this happy little tree next to this smiling little lake. Look at the lake just smiling at you right now saying, you're a good person and you should have a great day. It was just a happy, go lucky, feel good moment, you know, in your life. You just nailed it. That was a really good Bob Ross. (laughs) It's it's Bob Ross right there. Now, you insert fuck, Bob Ross changes a little bit. Let me give you some examples. You ready to have some fun? Fuck! Just a little, though. Don't overdo. Don't overdo. It gets working and it feels good, and next thing you know, you've over... Fuck! Give him a shake. (laughs) And just fuck the devil out of him. (laughs) (laughs) These clips are a little bit longer than Norm, so... Uh, Nate, what do you think? One out of ten. I'm going to go start off with a six on that one. I thought the, the first fuck was yelling, and Bob Ross does not yell, so... Uh, I, I took one away for that, but the second fuck was great. Okay. Critic. Well, yeah, but taking into consideration, most of my fuck, I can't change my fuck, my fucks. My fucks are my fucks. So I can't change it. You can't it. change it? There's not more fucks on the internet? <laughs> These are the fucks that are in my fuck bank. Okay. So okay. <laughs> it'll t- until I find some more fucks, these are what we got. Brandon. Right. Uh, I like that one. I'm going to go ahead and set the bar a little high. I'm going to put it at an eight. Yeah, that's what I think. I should sit at an eight. Jill? I thought it was pretty good. I'll give it a seven. A seven. All right, got a six, seven, and an eight. Here's your second. Better with fuck with Bob Ross. But I want to I wanna get you to try being creative on canvas, just to, to take your time and, and sit down and have nothing in mind when you start. Just have a good feeling and be happy and, and in love with the life and your world and, and sit down and begin fucking. And if you feel good about yourself and the world, it'll show in your fuck. And all these little things will happen. All right, Nate. Uh, I like that one better. That it was a little more, more subtle fuck, so I will go uh, eight on that guy. Okay, Brandon. Uh, I think that was on par with the first one. I like that one, so I'm going to give it an eight also. Okay, Jill. That one wasn't my most favorite. I'll give it a six. Uh, a six. Okay, still, that one is beating the first one, so two is in the lead. Here's your third one. If you happen to get some of it down in here, who cares? We'll end up turning that into fuck. We don't make mistakes. We have happy fucks. Just don't worry about it. Learn how to use what happens. All right, Nate. Um, I'm going to give that one a seven. Not, I didn't like it as much as the last one, but it was still good. All right, Brandon. Yeah, I didn't like it as much as the first two, so I'm going to have to go with seven also. Okay, Jill. I'll give it an eight. Okay, uh, the second one's still in the lead. Last better with fuck, Bob Ross. Here we go. That's the name of the game. It's enjoying. You really ought to enjoy what you do in life. If you do, then you'll do a good job. And I certainly enjoy fucking. I spend half my life doing somebody else's fucking. Fucking should make you happy. Mate. Uh, I like that one the best. I'm going to give that an eight. An eight. All right. Uh, Brandon. Uh, still wasn't my favorite. I'm going to go with a seven. Oh, okay. Jill. I didn't realize Bob Ross was so dirty. Yeah. I liked it. It was a nine. A nine. Okay. So nine, eight, seven. That's going to be the winner. I think. So I'm doing a quick math, right? All right. Here's the winner of this week's Better With Fuck. <laughs> That's the name of the game. It's enjoying. You really ought to enjoy what you do in life. If you do, then you'll do a good job. 
I certainly enjoy fucking. I spend half my life doing somebody else's fucking. Fucking should make you happy. <laughs> the scraping of the <laughs> of the, the canvas. <laughs> that one and the shaking of the paint on the other one I thought was pretty damn funny. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Uh, better with fuck. Bob Ross edition. Okay, excellent. All right, uh, let's get out of here. Nate, you got anything? Don't cut the crowbar or the cord. Yeah, there you go. Brandon. Yeah, watch the crowbars. They'll fly at you. All right, double crowbar ending. All right, Jill. Mark your calendar for September 3rd. There you go. Podcast and pours to pop. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Have yourself a great and safe weekend. If you're going to be doing some drinking, don't drink too much. Get behind the wheel of a car. That's bad. I lost way too many friends like that. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey! Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.